And here we are, it's Talking Bollocks! Yes, get in! We're back! Back for another episode. Yes, still coming, still in your ears, once a month, every month, sometimes more than once, because we have a few specials coming up, and there's going to be a special coming up this month as well. Um, It's going to be another Acid Rain. Anyway, look, before we go any further, I am your host, Howard H. Smith, and you just fucking heard me there! That was me singing! That was me on that song that you just heard. And if you skip past it, go back to the beginning again, you bastard, and listen to the awesomeness of the chunky, chuggy riffs, yeah? And go, wow, that's awesome. I've been listening to this podcast for 18 months, and I thought this guy was just a gobby cunt. No, I do have a purpose. So, yes, that was me. Vocals on the new Acid Rain song, Plan of the Damned. There's your very own bollocking free copy for you. Hey, you cheap bastard. Um, If you would like to download that song, hey, check me out with the advert already. Um, If you would like to download that, you're probably best off going to our Bandcamp page because at the Bandcamp page, you can um, actually download any digital format you want. So all the way up to a flat file, um, which and and that's marvellous. Okay, and so that you can just nerd out, nerd heaven there on our um, on our Bandcamp page. So that is the Acid Rain Bandcamp page. I don't, it's Bandcamp, Acid Rain, Thrash, something like that. Go to Bandcamp, search Acid Rain. That's the page that comes up when you see the Phantom Flamflinger. Anyway, so that's what I be doing, bruv. I be singing on the tune, yeah, um, and also um, also do uh, comedy, um, my character is Keith Platt, um, he's around and about, he's going to be in Swindon tomorrow night, if you all use qua- crazy Swindon people are about, then uh, yeah, please do call in, um, and uh, yeah, and, and, and I do this, and I do this, and you can get hold of me um, on Twitter, at Talking Bollocks, but uh, with a Z instead of an S on the end, um, at uh, Acid Rain UKAC, um, you can find uh, Acid Rain on Instagram, which is just Acid Rain, on Facebook, you can find Talking Bollocks on Facebook, which is Facebook Talking Bollocks with a Z again, and the, and the podcast, this is the podcast, you're listening to it, do I need to tell you where to get it? I don't know, maybe I do, maybe I don't, maybe you're listening to this on YouTube, or you're listening to it on the Acid Rain website, acidrain.co.uk, make sure you go there. Um, so I'm fucking on it already. I have hardly taken a breath. So you can listen to it all those different places or you can have it on your fucking phone, on your tablet, on your laptop. You don't just have to stream it as we found out with Jamie from Desolator. Okay, you don't have to stream it. You can download it. Wait till, you, wait, wait till you've got some Wi-Fi. Download the fucker. Listen to it whenever you like. Listen to it underground right now i know that sounds a bit weird i live in london so obviously i go underground quite a lot but basically you can listen to it anywhere you don't have to have any signal you could be on a plane store them up store them up and listen to them whilst you're in it whilst you've got to fly to wherever the fuck you got to fly for ever whatever fucking reason i haven't really thought it out but there you go that's uh, pretty much the way the way it's done here um, not thought out. So there you go. That is the longest intro ever. Um, but that is me. Um, and uh, and you are you. Welcome back. Hello, bollockers. Welcome back to another bollocast. Um, it's great to have you. Um, it's great to have you back um, within this this week's month's um, natterings are going to be. Um, well, let's let's just crack straight on, shall I? Um, so yeah. Um, uh, when see corn. Um, and they uh, and they fucking smashed it. Now I know a lot of you might be listening out there and going, "Really? 
Corn, really? New metal? Look, I, I, I like Corn. I saw them in the very early days. I saw them when they were supported by Limp Biscuit when they hadn't even got a fucking label. They hadn't been signed. Um, and um, I always had. Uh, look, I like good music. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I know a lot of people blame new metal for the death of the riff, uh, whatever, but I think you can probably Pantera as much to blame for that as anyone. Now, anybody who's going like, oh, fucking hell, I don't know about that. Okay, yeah, D- you know, Dime did have some cracking riffs, without a doubt, but without a doubt, new metal started with that. Dun, 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 um, So, yeah, there you go. Um, which, which And when I went to see Pantera on the Far, Be- Far Beyond Driven tour, I did distinctly get the feeling it was just like it was kind of weird because the way they were using all triggers so it was studio bass drums studio guitar sounds studio drums with Phil sort of sort of just you know doing his thing over the top sounded almost like a bit like rapping and it was kind of weird anyway um, but anyway yeah so that was a a, a tangent because that is also what we do here tangents um, but yeah Korn were um, Korn were awesome played the whole of the first album which was very impressive really enjoyed it um, but I have to say one thing that happened at the beginning right they um, they come on behind a huge curtain you know how some bands do they do the whole big behind the curtain and then the curtain drops when they kick in and they're all, all is revealed um, not this night though no because the crowd we had in Brixton decided to start pulling the curtain and then the road crew were pulling the curtain back from the crowd and then the crowd managed to pull the curtain off the road crew and pull it down and the crowd cheered and I have to say that if that is not a sign for the fact that humanity is fucking damned then I don't know what is you know, there's a band there trying to put. They've, you know, they've 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 done all sorts of rehearsals. They've got production. They want to make the show as as, as good as as good as possible for you. And um, and your response is to basically ruin that and fuck with it and tear it down. Um, but there you go. You know, uh, what can I say? It was it was it was a great show. It was not spoiled by the fact that there was no longer a curtain. I have to say. Um, but it was. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool show. Um, so anyway, moving on. Um, we also have yeah been been um, been trying to get my head around this um, uh, metal allegiance. You know the thing that um, uh, has been put together by friend of the show Mike. Um, I'm a massive cunt Portnoy, um, and um, and and basically yeah. What a surprise! Yet another supergroup that's going to be shit. Um, I, I listened to a song with I can't even remember the name of the song, but it was um, with Chuck Billy on vocals. And it just sounded like it sounded like undercooked testament. It sounded like raw testament, war, warm testament, testament that you'd send back to the fucking kitchen and say, "Can you heat that up for me, please?" Because it ain't done yet. It's just, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is about all these supergroups and things. When they get together, it just never fucking works. It really never works, not properly. Um, I've yet to hear of one. If anybody wants to remind me of any that that I may have missed out, then 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 please do um, please do let me know. Um, uh, update on my um, update my my tour fitness campaign. Um, fucking shit. Um, I, honestly, I, I'm from Monday onwards. I'm recording this on on Thursday night. From Monday onwards, it is hardcore. I'm I'm and I'm saying that to you guys because hopefully that's going to keep keep me honest. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, fucking hell, if you see me, just give me grief for, um, I mean, I've, I've got down the, well, basically I've been away for a holiday. I mean, so I've been away on kind of a holiday for a week. I went away for a few days up north and then I had to come back down because I had a comedy gig in Warwick. And then I had a guest appearance with Reanimator and Blood, uh, at Bloodstock with Reanimator. We'll get onto that a bit in a bit they had a show in Stoke that night then I was staying in Stoke for the weekend and back so basically I was just all over the place it was like I was on tour but um yeah so um I'm, I'm really going to get back at it I've been back to the gym twice already since I got home um and um and I'm, I'm going to keep at it I promise and um and just try and avoid those fags as much as I can like I said I, I don't I'm not a regular smoker I maybe have one a like one a day or something like that, but it's it's still one too many, especially if you snap the filter off like a cunt. Um, so um, and and whilst we're at it, whilst we're at it, I'm going to give you a hernia update. Uh, remember me mentioning that? Well, I finally got to see the hernia specialist, and Jesus, talk about fucking personality bypass. I get in there and he's like, "So why do you think you have a hernia?" Um, it's not African or anything. It's just the way I, I'm trying to. I, when I make people sound grumpy, they they sound like they're either West African or Indian or Welsh. I don't know what it is, but anyway, we'll, we'll let's see what happens with this. Um, so why 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 do you think you have a hernia then? I was like, well, because my GP said he thought I had a hernia because the radiographer who did the um, scan said that I had a hernia, um, and I've got a protrusion in my groin which looks like a hernia. Huh. Huh. Go in there. Take off your trousers. Which is always fucking that's what you want to hear, isn't it? It's a nice bit nice little bit of a warm up there. Not like hello, how are you? You know, are you the right per you know no 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 fucking handshake. No. I mean this is the this is the equivalent of uh you know, it's the equivalent of just going up to a woman in a bar and instead of saying like would you like a drink or anything, he's like, uh, how about a blowy outside? Um it's it you know, he's just like oh, so what do you think I earn him? Oh, go in there. Pull your trousers down. Yeah, great. Thanks. Just, just fucking. You wouldn't let anybody else, would you? You wouldn't let anyone in any other walk of life treat you like that. You, would you really? In, in, like, if you went into a restaurant, and the waiter went, oh, "Sit over there. Off you go." You'd be like, "Whoa, dude, fuck off." You know, be polite, or I just won't eat here. But what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Yeah, hey, fuck off. There's a there's a there's a much more cheerful doctor. <laughs> Down the hallway, yes, but unfortunately he's also got 157 po appointments today, so uh, anyway, so look, I, I get in there, um, you know, pull the trousers down, you know, release the beast, he's obviously impressed, obviously, <laughs> so I've got to do that, um, but um, so he's like, cough, <coughs> and he goes, okay, so I sit down, he goes, you haven't got a hernia? And I'm like, you fucking, you've been itching to say that, haven't you? You know what it's like when, you know what it, when you see a doctor... Or uh, I, and and I am not Mister Fucking in hospital all the time. I am not Mister. I am not Mister. I'm 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 always well. I'm never ill. I've just had a couple of things go wrong, as you do when you're 45. Although my ACL going was like nothing to do with age. Well, none of it is. Fuck it. Who cares? But anyway, Jesus Christ, stay on track. What I'm trying to say is that um, he's like, you know, no, you haven't got a hernia. And straight away, I'm thinking, fuck you, I have. And uh, it's not that I want one, by the way. He says, uh, and I said, well, what's what's that happening there? And he said, oh, well, what the radiographer... Because I was saying, the radiographer showed me one side, nothing, showed me the other side. When I cough, there is a... I, I'm sorry if this gets a bit gross for you, right? But uh, when I cough, there's a slight opening and you see something sort of come out and then you see it go back in again. I was like, that's a hernia. It looks exactly the same as my last hernia. 
And he said, well, it's not, because that is actually behind the mesh that we put in to prevent hernias. So, and I was, and I was just thinking, do you know what? I smell bullshit. I seriously want another opinion, um, a second opinion, as it's called, another opinion. <laughs> yes, the medical terminology of, yeah, can I have a fucking another opinion? You mean a second opinion? I whatever. Um, yeah, uh, you don't get that on the NHS. You're lucky if you get an opinion. Um, and this opinion was like, no, you're not good. And then I said, well, surely what I was shown by the radio, yeah, 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 that's behind the mesh. I was like, fuck you, it's not behind the mesh. Whatever. He said, it doesn't show up on the on the scan. Yeah, still not convinced. Basically, what's going on in my groin should not be going on. I'm coughing. There's a lump. Fuck you. Right? There's something wrong. So I say to him, look, I've got to go on tour. I'm a comedian because it affects when I'm doing Keith Platt. It affects how it, you know, it it doesn't like that. And um, and it certainly doesn't like singing. And I was saying to him, well, you know, I've got these tours and blah, blah, blah and and what you know, it might it might come out. And he's like, well, we can't treat what isn't there. If it does, it does. And I was like, yeah, but I'm trying to preempt a problem here. And that was my mistake right there. The word preempt, because straight away he just looks at me and he goes, we don't do. Uh, <laughs> oh no no no! Uh, he says we don't do preemptive surgery on the NHS. So right there. I was fucked. Fucked, fucked, fucked. So in other words, what he's telling me is, oh, and and he's booked an appointment for me to go back in six months. Well, if I haven't got a hernia and there's not a problem, what do you need me back in six months for? That's not if I... And so, basically, um, there's every chance that this could bust open any minute, either when I'm doing Keith or halfway through the tour we do. Um, and I, I, what, what can I do? I've done my best. I've been to the NHS. I've tried to get it fixed. I've tried, but... So there you go. That gee, that was fucking. That was just me moaning, wasn't it? That wasn't. Hey, what's been happening in the metal world this last month? That was just me fucking whinging. Um, but um, but so it is. You know, it, it was. It was me whinging, and and that is. Well, I tell you what. Let's have another whinge. Let's have another whinge. But this is not exclusively about me. I'm going to build the whinges up, right? Um, I've tried, guys. I've really tried. I have tried. Harder than I've tried to listen to a metal band with a decent female vocalist. I think there may be some kicking around, so, you know, I'll get back to you later on that. I have tried harder than believing my um, uh, hernia specialist that I haven't got one, despite the fact that I, I'm fucking sure I have. And that probably sounds so arrogant, but I, look, I got a fucking lump here. I shouldn't have a lump. Come on. Um, he's basically told me they're not going to operate until it's fucked. Uh, sorry, I've come back. I've come. I've, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, I've really tried. I've really, really, really tried. But I cannot listen to the Eddie Trunk podcast any longer. Um, he, he has some amazing guests, right? And and I want to preface this, right? This is like the last edition's rant about Randy Blythe. He seems like a perfectly nice guy. I'm going to feel like I'm slapping a puppy here right now. He seems like a perfectly nice guy. He's just a geek who's been into metal for 30 years. He's known everybody so long he can get everyone on his podcast. Um, but Christ, it's like listening to fucking Heavy Metal Rain Man. It really is. It, it, it's just because basically opinions are offered in bits and pieces like this. And you never know when. There might be a pause, and no matter how often you hear him speak, you never get used to how he speaks, because he slices sen 
tunces in half and sometimes even what and it's really fucking weird it's really weird it's like he's it's like he doesn't want it's like he's stopping it's like the opposite of this right it's the like the exact opposite of of talking bollocks is it is like somebody who's reading from a script very slowly and they do it very deliberately and they let the sentences breathe and it means to me it seems like it almost never flows properly it's fucking weird and when you add in shit like i'm gonna stop doing that obviously because it's really fucking annoying now you get you get my point right if that's not annoying and and if you're good with that get over there i mean seriously check out his podcast anyway because he has some amazing guests on there um and he has some amazing interviews but it's it's almost like they're by default it's it's uh yeah i mean bless him he just he's he's just a geek who got lucky a heavy metal geek that got lucky, um, and uh, and and it, yeah, it, it, but there's there's tons of adverts, there's tons of. I mean, it's like it, it, you know, when you listen to it, you you will be able to get where why um, some podcasts get ruined by advertising and things like that because it is just yeah. I, I mean, if you want to hear adverts done properly on a podcast, you listen to the Bill Burr podcast. That's Bill and Burr, B U R R. Because I, I fucking spelt his name wrong last time I said him. But he, do, he does his adverts and he makes them really fucking funny. When you listen to, when you listen to um, Eddie Trunk um, and Dee Schneider for that matter, it's just like listening to two, two guys who are just, just taking the money and, they, and, and they're just kind of really selling you the advert like, hey, this is the greatest thing ever. I just did this last week and it's fucking really cool and you should do it. And I, I don't know, I, I, I just prefer the way... Bill Burr does them, and I I would do them myself. I would just fuck about with the with the adverts and but whatever. Look, I'm, I'm going off there on a tangent. Look, basically, Eddie Trunk, um, bless him, he, he tries, he really does. But uh, yeah, I just can't seem to get my head around um, around his podcast. Well, look, look, there's still there's still lots and lots of bits and pieces to come. Um, I, I, I've got, you know a rant about a YouTube dickhead. Um, we've got we've got all sorts of bits and pieces. I'm going to tell you a bit more about Bloodstock and when I hooked up with um, Nuclear Assault, who I hadn't seen for twenty odd years, um, and uh, and a new feature, a new feature called Cunt of the Month, which uh, I'm sure already you can't wait for. Well, um, you, um, I- I'm going straight in with the big one. I'm going straight in with um, Justin Sullivan of New Model Army. Um, this is a really interesting chat. Um, I reached out. Oh God, I can't believe I've just done that, but I have, haven't I? Reached out. I um, I got in touch. Reached out. You mean you sent a fucking email? Um, I sent an email to um, New Model Armour's booking agent. They gave me an email to send to. I emailed to that, and I said, any chance of an interview? This is all about the um, about the podcast and everything. And I just got a reply that said, anything is possible. That was it. <laughs> so uh, so anyway. Um, what you're going to hear now is um, it, it is a bit of a chaotic beginning to the to the interview. Um, basically, Justin called me at like quarter to six and was like, "Right, we're supposed to do an interview." And I was like, "Yeah, but in two hours." And he was like, "All oh, right, I'll call you back then." Um, and then eight o'clock came, there was no sign of him, and so I texted at twenty past eight and said, "Look, we can we can like do this another time if you want." And he said, "Like, give me five minutes. So give me five minutes." And then, so appreciate after all of that, right? After all of that kind of missing and you've got to call me and missing each other then this is how the interview starts (laughs) 
hello, Justin. Excellent, great. Um, I just need to um, set up my speaker here. Um, if you can give me one second. Don't know why it isn't, but uh, sorry about this. Aha. Are you there? Hello? Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick call back. Sorry, I'm gonna call you straight back. Welcome to GE Voicemail. I'm sorry, but the person you've called is not a. Damn it! Come on, don't fall apart on me now, technology. Bloody stuff. Shut up, that's a fucking text coming in. Come on. Welcome to the EE voicemail. I'm sorry, but the person you've called is not available. Ah. Please leave your message off. Hi, Justin. He went off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't hear you. You couldn't hear me. I was just on the other line trying to call you back. So, um, uh, at, at last, sorry about all this. Right. Cool. Um, what, what, what on earth could you want to know? <laughs> oh no, we've started with you asking me a question. That's a bad sign. Um, well, funnily enough, there's, I've got a few things I want to know, actually. Um, uh, I'll, I'll start off by just giving you a, a brief kind of synopsis of what this is all about. Um, my name's Howard Smith. I many, many years ago was the front man in um, a thrash metal band called Acid Rain um, from Harrogate. And we have, we have since reformed. Um, and um, long time, um, uh, I, I think we, I had some dealings with, back in the day, with Jules when she, I think she was looking after Bomb Disneyland who became Bomb Everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there was there was an urban rumor, um, which you may be able to confirm or deny, that um, that our um, our old bass player. This is going back a hell of a long way. Um, um, was uh, was up for, or was at least looking at auditioning for you guys when when Stuart Morrow left all those years ago. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. thirty years ago, I, I will yeah. be honest. I won't remember. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. We did audition a few people, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, well, irony is he didn't take the audition, so I've realised the um, I've realised the stupidity of making my question. I'm actually asking you to remember somebody who didn't audition. Ah. So um, yeah, probably not a good idea. Um, so uh, so anyway, yeah. I've spent the last fifteen years doing um, stand up and. Um, I um I've now kind of um blown on the embers of the band and, and got the band back together after all these years to go and uh, do music and this podcast is a kind of combination of my love of music and um um and my love of comedy but don't worry this isn't going to be uh, um a comedy interview. Um okay. so anyway look um firstly um you strike me as uh, as a band which is um it's more, I don't know. Over the years, uh, you, you've you've gone from major label, you've gone from you've gone from indie, you've gone to major, you've gone to 
um, you've, you've kind of traveled all of the different paths um, and now with the industry changing so much um, have you found it's just been it's been a case of just you know evolve or die um, I, I remember uh, with major labels for a while um, we, obviously we started as indie and we became sort of we picked up AMI and after AMI we had a brief um, unhappy time with Sony and then in the middle of the 90s we were kind of adrift we were kind of in charge of ourselves but it wasn't going anywhere um, in the sense of how we were you know we had we had um, money in the bank and we had uh, we were pottering along and in the middle of the 90s we got stuck making an album which took three or four years to make you know it's what all bands that get to a certain point do <laughs> you go into a studio start arguing about what a snare drum should sound like before you write a song and uh, we spent a couple of years like that. And then our tour manager from the 1980s called Tommy T, um, who'd been managing the Almighty in the early 90s, came back and said, uh, I think you need me as a manager. And I explained, um, we certainly do. And he and I sat down and he said, the, the, the internet's going to change everything. Um, and the future is to be a cottage industry and control everything you do and forget the forget the big world of big promotion, big budgets and big money. Um, you know, that, that's not this band. It's New Model Army, New Model Army. You're better off controlling everything you do and just working away. And so he kind of set that up for us and ran, ran everything for us until his very sudden unexpected death in 2008. Um, since when we sort of continued the mould, really. Yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 we're free to do what we like, when we like, how we like. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. The, the, uh, that's that's amazing that the, the that that really kind of bucks the trend of of those stories of you know a manager came in and um uh, and usually there's there's a fairly sort of you know unhappy ending or something like that but some somebody within the music business actually um well seemed... he wasn't the thing is he he was our tour manager and he and he I suppose he was in the music business in the sense he managed the Almighty and they were on a major label. I think that experience told him that that, that wasn't the future for us, especially because he knew New Model Army, he knew the way we are, the way we work, the way we like to be, um, and that he he just realised that you, you weren't going to need all that in the future. Yeah. If you have already have a kind of fan base, and if you have a couple of bob in the bank, and and you don't need any of that, um, the old model, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, ever since then, we've been sort of, uh, um, and, and, and now, these days it's much much harder, of course, because until about ooh, ten years ago, people still bought CDs, uh, but obviously that's going. Then there was digital, but digital's finished as well. So the future is kind of um, Spotify and such like. I suppose to some extent, the older bands are lucky in the sense that a lot of our the people that buy our music are over 40 and they still do tend to buy CDs whereas I don't actually know anyone that's under 25 that's ever bought a CD yeah yeah um, um, and then and then meanwhile you you know you have to try to make make a living elsewhere and of course everybody's touring but that means that everybody's touring all the time so that gets harder and harder and the costs of touring get higher and higher so it is harder um, but you know in order to, to sort of worldly success was very very low on our agenda when we started and it's remained pretty low it's not 
you know, it was never why we started and it's not why we continue. Yeah. Um, is it fair to say that, I mean, when, I mean, when you, when you first started, um, I don't know. It was, I mean, I, I was, you know, kind of on the edge of it. I was, I was more of a metaler, but for some reason, you guys, you guys sort of crossed over. Um, I think I might probably probably saw you a couple of times at the Duchess of York um, uh, in Leeds, and um, uh, it, it was kind of I don't know. We we certainly being a metaler, you almost felt sort of like I, I was looking in on a world that I didn't you know it was different to my world and you seem to be so politically aware and it it it, it felt almost like a, as much of a movement as it was um a, a band was that was that always the intention or did it just kind of i think in the, looking back to the 1980s it was pretty impossible to live in the north of england and not be political <laughs> through the thatcher years and i think when we started we certainly came out you know that was the kind of spirit of punk and post-punk but quite quickly, we uh, after the first couple of albums, which are kind of full of songs which say, I believe in this and I believe in that, um, we'd kind of done that. And so then we just started exploring different av avenues, both musically and lyrically. I mean, obviously, lyrically, I just started writing stories, really, rather than... Um, uh, rather than the sort of polemic of the early 80s. And and musically, we, we touched on all sorts of stuff. I mean... Uh, I can remember a couple of years, just two years ago, we played on successive weekends in, in the summer, a folk festival, a metal festival, a gothic festival and a hippie festival, <laughs> with basically the same set, yeah. because no one actually kind of knows what the fuck we are, uh, which suits us just fine. It means we, as I said, it means we're totally free. Yeah, yeah. I remember actually, uh, probably the highest accolade we ever had, I think, was that um, about 15 years ago or something, we were, we were struggling to get sort of um, reviewed or anything in the sort of music press. So that continues. Um, but uh, I was speaking to a journalist and he said, well, all his fellow journalists kind of respected us, but they were mostly terrified to, to say they liked us because they didn't know what we were going to do next week. And I think as, a, as, a, as an accolade, that's about as good as an artist can get, really. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> journalists being scared of you is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, from an artistic point of view, um, people because because if they can't, then then neither can neither can you you for want of a better word fans. So you're 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 always interesting. You you're constantly you know just pushing the boundaries and yeah, trying something trying different. To, trying to do something we haven't done before, um, which after you know thirteen albums gets. You know, uh, obviously there's a certain thing, stuff that runs through our music. Uh, probably my voice in particular, because that's the one thing you can't really change. Yeah. Um, but there have been a number of different musicians in the band over the years, and everyone that comes in brings a certain new energy. They don't fit into the mould that, that exists. They, You know, they arrive and they change the mould, and, and i am always been happy to let that happen. Yeah. Um, most of the most recent edition, um, Kerry, joined us uh, he was born the day we released our third album so he's very young wow. and, uh, and brought a whole that whole different youth energy into it so that would have been ghost of Cain then yeah 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 wow born that that, yeah. that yeah that makes that makes me feel really fucking old <laughs> <laughs> um but well that's 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 kind of interesting but i mean so you 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 don't feel you don't feel um i, I suppose this far in as opposed to feeling, you know, as opposed to the, you know, when you first start out, it's, it, uh, you know, I 
from personal experience, you're very much some look. This is this is it. This is our you know artistic endeavor, and you know get off you, the thought of collaborating with people is is insane um but then further down you know you've got all these years later you're able to just kind of say well look yeah you know it's a it's a constantly well, changing that, evolving thing you know there's lots of bands of our uh, of who started at the same time as us or or you know were well known in the 1980s that are still doing the rounds but their audience uh, wants and expect them to play the, the, the known and loved songs from the 1980s and um, we've consistently refused to do that and so the people that want us to do that and that are into New Model Army for reasons of nostalgia um, have been consistently disappointed by our refusal to be nostalgic and have buggered off and instead <laughs> we've got a whole different audience you know. well, I, that I, kind of work that, I, well, that pretty works out pretty well every now and again we get we know some some disgruntled gentleman came up to us in Budapest last year and told us that that we hadn't played a single song that he wanted to hear and so it was a disgrace right. it reminds me a little bit of, I heard somewhere that you know the big Kate Bush shows um, this year was it last year I don't know that, that someone someone was consider, uh, considering suing her because she hadn't played Wuthering Heights yeah um, <laughs> yeah Slight, slightly self obsessed uh, there's maybe. nothing we because we never had a hit there's nothing we have to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you know the songs that 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 certain people would like to hear. Um, but as, I, I well, mean, actually, uh, there are there are the better known songs of which you know there's ten or a dozen or something, and yeah. maybe we we'll play two or three of them. But we can rotate them so we don't ever get sick of playing something. But also, I, I remember a few years ago. Um, we asked, uh, we were playing, I think it was the 25th anniversary at Rock City or something, and, uh, and we asked um, the audience for the three songs they really wanted us to play. And I think 120 different songs were mentioned. Wow. So I think our audience sort of all like different stuff. And because, and also because, you know, the, the moods of what we do and the influences of what we do and, and the even the attitudes of the stuff we do is so different people take different stuff for it or or need different songs in different moments a bit, a bit like us all really i mean we all have don't we all in our music collections have songs that we go to for particular moments in our life when we really need to hear that song yeah oh yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. but they're always but there are lots of different ones um yeah. and and different and, and different styles you know different genres and yeah, yeah diff different things for different moods and and when you you, you said you know you you've so you've because you've refused to be nostalgic you don't get people following you who you know for the purpose of nostalgia was that was that a kind of was that a byproduct was that a happy accident of your stance or was that the goal in the first place no, we never really had any goals. I mean, there was never any plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just right. a sort of, it's just an attitude. And it's, and it's interesting that, that the kind of slightly, um, uh, we are what we are, and if you don't like it, you can fuck off attitude, that uh, there's been lots and lots of different people in the band over the years, but actually it's one thing they've all shared. Right. It's sort of, and the, and the current, you know, the current bands, um, they're all kind of that sort of people, at some level. Yeah, and uh, 
I mean, well, you 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 obviously just naturally attract like-minded people, which um, which yeah, I guess I guess there's a certain attitude in the music. I think you can hear it really, but also as a, as I said, no one kind of knows what we are musically. You know, where where do you, where do they fit? Well, no one really knows. But no, not at all. Because I mean, I mean, even know. even early on this summer, we we played bearded theory. Um, which this year was very full of sort of folkish influenced bands, and the next day we were in Germany playing a sort of punk metal festival with Exploited and Mudhoney and lots of other people. The um, and then uh, I mean later on this summer we have uh, actually in about three weeks we're doing Wacken, which is an out and out yeah. rock metal festival. In oh yeah, full on. Uh, and uh, and then. Two days after that, we're doing a hippie festival in the middle of Germany, which is all counterculture, hippie, um, trippy stuff. Wow. Right. So, I, I, I don't know. But it's, I don't know. But... I, think, I think, to some extent, genres are all a bit artificial anyway, in the sense that all of us like lots of, a, a wide range. Everybody that likes music likes a wide range of music. We all have a wide range in our collections. We all listen to lots of different kinds of things, don't we? Yeah, and well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, with, with the exception of maybe <laughs> heavy metal, which is just like, yeah, it's, a, it's like a different varying cores. But even so, yeah, I mean... Um, uh, yeah, but even within metal, there's lots and lots of sort of subgroups and, and, and groups that want to touch on, you know, other stuff. Oh, yeah, it's, and it... it like, I, mean, I, I just mentioned Mudhoney, we, we played it last week. Um, a great group you know I suppose you can label them if you want to put a label on them because they come from Seattle and they play with heavy electric guitars so you go oh grunge <laughs> but you know they're just a decent yeah. band Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the best bands I've seen in, in years is Suicidal Tendencies at a festival we played in France and they were brilliant but I wouldn't exactly call it metal Oh I, God, no, no! It's all sorts. Of, there's all sorts of stuff in there. There's lots of funk. There's lots of yeah. hip hop. There's lots of all sorts of stuff. Well, their their debut album is just it is just balls out punk. It's just it's a it's a punk record. You know, it's it's absolutely fantastic, um, and I still think it's their best album. But yeah, it's um, and and I mean they've been on an incredible journey of all sorts of different styles of music. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, as, yeah, uh, and they as are as what as they are, and and I think bands that just are what they are are the ones that stay the course. The ones that try to to be something, you know, have got an idea of what they want to be. Uh, I think it's kind of a mistake. I think you should just be what you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I then you can so then you can sustain it indefinitely because that's what you are. Well, I, I heard a quote the other day of somebody saying, you know, just you just don't quit the band, don't don't quit the band, just keep the band together. Whatever you do, keep the band together. Why? Because <laughs> if you quit the band, well, then there's no band. <laughs> and he's kind of like, all oh, right, yeah, that's that's kind of obvious, but really wise at the same time. Um. But I mean, you know, you've you've you you have achieved longevity, um, and um, and obviously the model that you have now is, pardon the pun, but the model you have now is 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 constantly evolving and changing. And um, I mean, do you do you foresee more lineup changes in the future, and are you just kind of rolling along and you know rolling with the punches, bending with how things are, as opposed to trying to bend things into a shape you want? 
I think that um, I'm not sure if you roll with the punches. I, I just think you just just do what you love as best you can. Yeah, and and then see what happens. I mean, we're not we're not very sort of um, business minded, or and we have a few people around us to help uh, help us with stuff. Um, uh, but it is that kind of small family cottage industry where everyone kind of uh, knows and trusts each other. Having said that, it isn't to say we don't still fight like a band fights. You know, we have big arguments. I've left the band lots of times. Oh, that, oh that's, that's good <laughs> to know, hear. For twenty for twenty four hours. <laughs> um, but, but you know, because we still we still operate like a band in the sense that we we fall out and we fall in and we have arguments about music. Yeah. But I, uh, but I think that uh, certainly these days when we walk on stage, somebody said uh, another uh, sort of compliment we had the other day. Somebody said it's not that you look like a band that knows what you're doing, because after thirty five years you ought to bloody know what you're doing. It's you know you look like a band that knows why you're doing it, um, and I think that. That can sometimes go in bands that have been going a very, very long time. Oh yeah, phoning it in, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, there's and there's there's a lot there's a lot of I can't do anything else. This you know I have no transferable skills. This is what I'm stuck doing. Um, uh, kind of kind of bands who who just should hang it up but won't, unfortunately. Um, and again, I, was, I, I mean, is is it? Do you? Is it essentially? Is it your band? Is that? Is that? No, no, <laughs> no. Okay. This is again. This is a complete misnomer. That that obviously I'm the surviving member. Therefore, actually, I was the only surviving original member by 1985. But uh, people assume that as I'm the you know the person that obviously writes most of the words, and that you hear my voice. Uh, that and you know the other musicians have changed over the years on and off, uh, not that frequently, but every now and again. Yeah. Um, that it must be my band really now. Um, no, I think if you ask the rest of them, they would say absolutely not. Uh, I don't feel like I ever feel like that really. I really I rely on partnerships within the band. I had a very strong relationship at the very beginning with Stuart. When Stuart left, I had a very strong relationship for many years with Robert. Yeah. And then when Robert left. Uh, my core relationship was with Michael again, again drummer. Um, I love working with drummers. I have to bounce off someone, um, right. and if there's three or four, or five people to bounce off, so much the better. But always, you know, there's. Uh, I tend to write mostly with Michael. Although actually, Kerry writes a bit, and Marshall and Dean are very. They're just really good musicians, and they they listen and consider what's going on. So they're quite good. Um, foils as well um, I and mean, I'm a lousy musician always was <laughs> so but I recognise great musicians um, yeah, but also yeah but so, also songwriting and musicianship are are, are are different things yeah they are different things but we um, the, uh, the songwriters need musicians and musicians need songwriters that's the one yeah absolutely so uh, have you always been like that have you always been collaborative did you know you know or, or you know did you did you realize oh, yeah, that yeah, very yeah. early I mean, on? on on my own i would have never done anything first of all i met Stuart, then i met jules and then i met robert and and if i think about it all three of them are absolutely exceptional people um i i sort of thought it was they were kind of normal at the time but now i realize actually all three of them are quite exceptional and if i hadn't met those three i'd never done anything 
Right. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, from where you are now, are you? Funnily enough, you say that you know you you weren't aware of it at the time, and you look back now and realise, wow, they you know they were incredible people. Um, do you think you know? Do you, do you think you realise? Do you think you realised that at the time? Is or they or did you just think, wow, these guys well, bring out the best? Of I, I knew I knew Stuart was a sort of wild and talented musician. Um, I knew Jules was a wild and talented all-round artist. Um, I quickly realised that Robert was kind of a true, 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 true musician. Yeah. Um, and I also think a lot of the, the current band, I think that that all of them have got some quite outstanding qualities. As I say, my most, my my closest collaborator is Michael, um, who who is a great drummer, but much more than that, he's a sort of He's a very good producer. Ah, he right. knows how to help me. You know, and 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 it, within the band, you know, everybody criticizes everybody else because, and we every every now and again we argue and fall out because everybody feels passionately about it. Therefore, you know, people feeling passionately about something together, there's there's scope for falling out. Yeah, well, as long as it's, as long as everybody's fighting over what's best for the song, and it's not, it, it, then ultimately, it's, yeah, that's right. it's positive. That's right, it? and I, I think. I don't believe in democracy in bands. <laughs> it doesn't work. No, I believe in, no. I believe in, no, I don't believe in democracy. You have a vote on it? No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> I believe in consensus. And consensus means the person that feels most strongly will persuade the others. And yeah. that isn't always me by any means. In fact, it's not me very often because I, I, I have a lot of ideas, but a lot of them are bad and I rely on other people to tell me which ones are bad ones. <laughs> And so, you know, if somebody else in the band feels really, really strongly that it should be like that, they'll persuade everyone. Yeah, yeah. And so, it, and so it, it. Well, yeah. It's 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 not a democracy, but everybody has a voice and will be heard. Yeah, it's a it's consensus. That's how bands have to work by consensus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, democracy ends up with. Uh, well, I, I've been in a situation like that before, and and you, and you think that five people are going. You're always going to have a. You're always going to have a um, uh, a majority. Well, you end up with a band with sort of power blocks. Yes. Yeah. Well, you what, um, what you end up with is five. Uh, we've people. we've we've had a couple of those over the years, but not at the moment. Oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, I I just found you end up with five people pulling very or very often five different ways. Um, and yes. uh, that's just no good for anybody because you can't make any fucking decisions. That's right. Oh, it's a little bit like jamming with five people. Nothing good comes from that. That's that's called jazz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jamming with two or three people is great. Yeah, yeah. Bring any more into it. Well, yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't have to. It doesn't matter which musicians. It's just more than two or three musicians at once. Uh, um, jamming doesn't kind of work, I don't think. No, no. Uh, maybe, maybe in some bands, maybe in some bands. I don't know. I, it never worked for us. I've, I've never, I've never been in a band where, um, uh, where, where jamming has been a thing. But again, I, you know, that's just there's, um, uh, there's people who swear by it and some that don't. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, one, um, a, a lot of, a, a, probably a lot of people who'll be listening to this, we're or a, you know, a good few of these listening to this will have probably um, arrived at hearing New Model Army um, after um, Sepultura covered the the Hunt on on KSAD. Um, do you remember how that came about at all? 
Well, I heard how it came about. We 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 knew Sepultura already because we first went to Brazil in 1991, and there they were. And I didn't really know the band. Um, I think they were quite. Uh, they weren't that well known outside Brazil and then back in 1990 or 91. But um, they were fans of the or a couple of them were anyway. So we started talking and became friends and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then apparently what happened is they were working with Andy Wallace on Chaos AD. Yeah. Uh, and we knew Andy anyway because he mixed uh, some of the Sound Conversation for us. Um, Which sounded the, the amazing. Sorry? Which sounded amazing. Um, Thunder and Consolation sounded incredible. Yes, well, he mixed half half of it, and the half that he mixed sounded fantastic. <laughs> so I always had a lot of time for Andy Wallace. Anyway, when Sepultura were doing Chaos AD, they did two or three uh, cover versions in the studio for fun. Um, uh, you know, just just because they, they just for the sake of doing it for enjoyment. Yeah, and um, and I and I, I think it was uh, I think it was Andy said that one has to go on the album. <laughs> so, so hunt, so uh, so great, grateful for them. Well, I saw them. I, I've seen them a couple of times since. I said, "You don't do it live very often." They said, "Yeah, too many words." <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! That's it. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's um, uh, that, not a crit- when we when we heard that they covered it, and somebody told us they covered it before we actually heard it, and then when we heard it. We were surprised by how little they changed. Obviously, yeah. the vocal style changes and the sounds change, but the arrangement actually remained almost exactly the same. Oh yeah, it's very, it's very much Sepultura plays New Model Army as opposed to Sepultura mm. reimagines New Model Army. Um, well, I remember going to see them when they were doing the Roots tour in uh, Manchester Apollo, and and we were talking. I mean, they 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 were always influenced by other stuff. Which is one of their strengths, I think. Yeah. Well, they they um... you know, outside outside of you know pure, you know what's metal? Well, what is metal? You know. Well, co- also coming from coming from Brazil as well, they had. Um, yeah, absolutely. They you know they had that 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 kind of South American musical heritage. Um, linked with a love of metal, which was a kind of music that just was well, basically European. So yeah. you, when you stir all that together, you you know you, you you've got something special in those few years when they were when it was the original you know that lineup. Um, yeah, oh, they're great. They're great band. Yeah, no, no, no I mean, very, it, so very exciting. Well, when I well, funnily, yeah, I must have been one of the few people who, when they got Chaos CD, was like, "Oh, great, the Hunt, marvelous!" And funnily enough, probably like you, I heard it and thought, "Wow, yeah, that does sound. Um, that just sounds like quite like the original, actually." Um, but it, but it fitted in perfectly. It just sits in the album beautifully. It's um, and it's it's it, to me, it's a bit of a kind of it's, it's a tribute to you guys more than anything else. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually seen. I haven't actually seen. Um, any of the gang at all for a few years now, but, uh, but I expect we'll I expect we'll meet somewhere. Oh, you're bound to bump into. I, mean, each I know. Other. There, I know. There's been lots and lots of ruptures. Last time we went to Brazil was uh, actually it's quite a long time ago now. It's about four years ago. Um, but they they were away. Uh, they weren't around. I mean, they're, they're, I think for the most part they live in America anyway. Well, it, well, Igor, um, the drummer, lives in um, lives in London now. 
Yeah, he lives over in uh, he lives in North London, not too far from me, actually. Um, well, if you see him before I do, say hi. <laughs> I, I I will do. I will do. I've I've actually I've got I've got his UK number. If you want me to send it to you. Yeah, do. Yeah, cool. I will when we've um, when we've hooked up. I will. Um, I'll, I'll send you that. I was trying to drag him down to a. I was trying to drag him down to a comedy show, but um, he's hard. He, you know, he's he's he always on the road. Most well on the road most of the time anyway. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, re- really, really lovely guy. We had a chat towards the end of last year, and um, yeah, it was very cool. Um, but uh, but anyway, moving on. Um, so you guys, um, you're back on the road. Well, you're you're on the road all around, all throughout the summer. Do you, you know? It's... No, we're not. I mean, we're just doing festivals. So it's normal sort of summer thing where you, ah, right. where you're. It's just weekends, really. Um, then we do. A, uh, we got a few shows in Germany around Wacken, but uh, and then a few few more festivals. Not doing. We're not that busy this summer, but that's okay because we're halfway through making another album. So. Wow, you're so prolific. You're so prolific. So that's an album in 2013, 2014, and 2016? Yeah, it should be out for the next year, I mean, that's the plan. Yeah, we're kind of busy at the moment. It's a creative time. I was going to say, is there, is there just a flow of, sort of, you know, that once that creative flow gets going, you just you don't want to stop it, you roll with it until, it, you know, it burns out? It's, it's a little bit like that, yeah. Um, because you can't stay on the road all the time because it is a it's it, it is a hard life and I know people out there who, who probably think well how is it a hard life you know you you, you travel and then you oh I love play it still it. I still love it yeah uh, you know after thirty five years of being on the road I I I, I love it you I love it. it's a way of life it's it's basically okay if you're if you're basically a lazy person <laughs> it's a marvelous way of life if you like yeah. to be active. It's an awful way of life because there's nothing to do most of the time, and you're too tired to do anything anyway. <laughs> yeah, there is that. So, but you sort of generally you're basically comatose for 22 hours a day, and then you get yourself up to do the thing that you do, and the rest of the time you just kind of, like I say, just lie around being tired, not really having you know sit around playing guitars and, and stuff. But we don't tend to write on the road because because writing requires a lot of energy. And so we we get ideas and stuff and chuck them in the cupboards of marked ideas, but uh, yeah, a lot of the road, the time on the road is just not pottering about, social, being sociable. Yeah, and it is it is quite a quite a nomadic existence. Um, uh, and and the weird thing is that you go from you go from you know touring and all of that as you just described to then the other part, which is recording and going to a studio, which is the exact opposite, which is you know living work work working working in one building for a long period of time. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's it, they're just the polar opposites. Do you prefer? I mean, yeah. is the studio a creative place for you, or is it, or is it a place of work? I, I actually, I do quite like being in the studio, uh, but I like the idea stage. I hate actually making an album. Yeah, I hate it. I hate having to to actually finish it. I'm interested in the ideas, not the actual execution of them. And I'm not very good at the execution of them either. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm too slapdash to be a good engineer, or, or you know, once I got an idea, I just want to get it, get it down, and I, I'm. I'm I forget necessary engineering skills that sometimes you should have. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, but, but again, I, again, I sort of rely on other people to help me with stuff. Like that. 
But again, there's that. There is that ethic of uh, of you know, if you've got an idea, yes, you do want to get it down. You want to get it out there because it's it's a, it's a gut reaction. It's an instinct, and and just to get it down is the most important thing. Um, yeah. I think when you start second guessing yourself and just trying to, I, I you also know, think that the songwriters and and people like that are sort of we have imaginations we imagine sounds and we imagine feelings yeah um and we imagine them so much that sometimes it's a surprise several months later to find out what you were imagining is on tape isn't there at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) again that's why you rely on other people to go um i know you're trying to do this but actually that's not what's happening yeah (laughs) because you're because in your state of fevered imagination you imagine what's on tape is what you're feeling and sometimes that isn't true well yeah and of course the minute you leave the studio and you release a you release a product it, it, it's it's stop it's not yours anymore anyway it's, it's, it's everybody oh, else's that's right and they? then you listen to it you listen to it a few months later and go oh that could have been better <laughs> I, I, yeah yeah or, uh, or you know it, it's it's a sort of percentage game isn't it if I'm if I'm 50 percent happy with an album that's pretty good for me I think the last two, I think the, I think the Dog and Wolf album, which is quite different and one of the few albums where we had a, quite a strong idea of what we were going to try and do before we started. Um, I think that's a very good album and I'm very proud of it. So, there are, it has its drawbacks, but I, I think it's a good piece of work. So given that that was, a, given that that was such a, um, a, a, a good um, place to start with and that you're, you know, you're reasonably happy with that album, um, is, is that something that you would try and replicate in the future, or if it happens, it happens, as in no right from the outset? No, I think the opposite. Having done that, and to some extent continued the idea with the one we did last year, which was kind of a mini-album, um, between Wine and Blood record, which had, uh, it was live, live Dog and Wolf and six new songs, yeah. and it was a kind of mini-album, really, which was in the same, a little bit made the same way, same team, same team making it. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, you know, recorded on tape largely, um, mixed by Joe Barese. I think that the the instinct now is to go, yeah, we've done that. Let's do something different. Right. Okay. Stay staying true um, to the uh, to the new model army. Um, it's not uh, really. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a sort of map or a plan. It's just an instinct. It's well, no. That's the, yeah. You no. That's to, you yeah. Do, do the opposite. No, no, no. That's exactly what I'm saying. As in, it's, it, it, you know, it, yeah. It's, it's not a plan. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's what you do. You just do what you do. Yeah. You are who you are, and yeah, yeah like you said, right, done that. Why, why the hell would we do that? Again? But I, yeah, but to some extent, in the end, I'm discovering at the moment that I, I'm writing in a certain way, and it's not actually the way I particularly want to write, but it's what I'm writing. So you, you just have to go with it. That's that's strange. Does that does that mean that you kind of how do so how do, how do you how do you assess what you've written if it's kind of well this is the stuff I'm coming out with. It's not necessarily what I want to come out with. How do you know? That's doing my head in. That is <laughs> no no. That's how it happens. You know, you 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 might feel like supposing you you. you you feel like you want to do something, but actually, what comes out of you is something a bit different. Uh, you just have to roll with it, really. And it, and is that where having people to bounce off becomes very yeah, very always, important? yeah, always that, always that. Left to my own devices, I'd I'd, I'd 
I'd never finish anything. And I'd, and I'd, I'd get too lost in too many conflicting ideas. So, um, is, is that... So yeah, I, need, I always need people to bounce off. I mean, even when I, I did do one solo record back in 2003 or something. And, uh, but even on that, I found myself um, a producer that I, to help me, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, creativity on its own is is no good, is it? <laughs> you know. Well, I find I, I think it's very difficult. I, I always think about artists and novelists and poets and and people whose art essentially they do alone. I think it's I think it'd be difficult. And having spent obviously Jules um, works in the in the, in the world of you know writing and, and art with other artists and other writers. I find that artists and writers tend to be socially difficult people, whereas musicians tend to get on okay because, um, a bit like theatre people, we're used to the idea that you need other people whether you like them or not. Yeah. So you have to get on with other people whether you like them or not. Yeah. And, and musicians are sort of better at that than, than writers and artists. Oh, well, you can throw stand-up comedians in there as well absolutely same yeah. thing which is mm. you know that there, there's there's, there's I'm sure you know I'm the, sure that's the, true. there's no filter there's no there's no someone to bounce off or anything like that it is all you know it's just me 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 um and um and that's where the best comedy comes from um but it comes from absolutely tireless editing and what you end up doing is you do collaborate, but you collaborate with audiences. You go out and you perform material and stuff that you might think is hilarious. Audiences just stare at you and go, not a clue. And then a throwaway line that you're not really bothered about and you've thought twice about whether you should even do it gets absolutely, you know, fits of laughter. Can you, you have think, the same idea? It's interesting you say that because I wonder if you have the same problem because bands have that to some extent. In the old days... We would write a song and we'd go out and play it live for six months and then record it, which was the best. That's the best way of doing things. The problem now is that if we play a new song... Um, <laughs> it's in, around the in world. Dusseldorf, and the next morning they're discussing whether they like it or not in California. Yeah. And, and because everything's recorded, you know, there would be 30 or 40 different versions of that song before we ever recorded it. And then when we finally record it, people go, oh, I like the, I like the version from Thing Better. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's everything. Everything's kind of instantly recorded, which is a bit of a shame. I wish it wasn't. Well, yeah, and, and um, comedians, comedians, lawyers are some of the most litigious people on YouTube um, because uh, it's it's a big problem in comedy, which is you know people trying to try out stuff, and you are you know you you you're trying out. I mean, you know, we're talking. You're taking jokes on stage and trying to see if they'll see if they can walk. Do you know what I mean? See if this thing has got legs, and these these little yeah. babies stumble over and fall, and people you know post that on YouTube and go, oh, you know, I used to like this guy, but he's you know he's lost it now, and you just think, fuck off. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, stuff well, out. in the end, in the end, I expect comedians. Where, where else do you try it out? That for a band, you you don't generally play lots of an album before you release it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't go out there and play the songs live for a long time before you record them, which is actually a shame. I think they they might turn out better if you did. Uh, well, they, yeah. I mean, when, whenever you whenever you sit with a song, I mean, let's let's face it. You, there's there's songs that you've recorded very recently that when you're when you play them live now, you've you've developed 
certain little ticks and bits and pieces here and there that aren't on the album but you know when yeah. you play the song yeah. now you play it, you think oh, that would have been why didn't we think of that in the studio you know but you never yeah. would do it needed six months of being played yeah yeah well Dog and Wolf actually it was interesting because we set out to make an album album which which we had no we were not going to worry about how we were going to play it live so we were just going to make a layered layered album which with no, you know, that we couldn't play live like it was in the studio. Yeah. And having released it, we had then had to go out and play it live, so we had to sort of kind of rearrange everything a little bit. But it was quite an interesting, that was an interesting process in itself, having to rearrange everything so we could play it live, do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that is, um, that, that, that's it's pretty unique. I mean, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Did you ever find did you ever find moments there where you were kind of like all looking at each other going, you know, why why did we write this? How the hell are we going to pull this off? No, we we knew we were trying to make a record that we were making a record record, so something that wasn't designed necessarily to play live. Right. But then we found that we could actually do it all live. We just had to be creative. Right. Okay. And um and what and what was the response to that? How 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 did people? Yeah, respond pretty good to that? actually. Yeah, lots of people say, "Oh, they're much better. These songs are much better live than they were on the record." <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't worry too much about what people. Everybody, you know, whatever people's opinions are. Is, uh, is that why you did the live disc to capture to capture the live yeah. version of the song? Yeah, yeah, we did actually. And then we were going to do a live, just a live disc. That was the plan. And then we just happened, while we were finishing off the live disc, you know, mixing it and stuff, we just happened to write six more songs. So we thought, oh, well, we'll put out a sort of mini album at the same time. So that worked out, right? But the six extra songs that are on Wine and Blood are, are kind of a bit more... Whereas Dog and Wolf was held together very well as an album, I think, and every song complements every other song. I think Wine and Blood was back to sort of extremes of New Model Army. So something that was very kind of um, dark and contemplative and gentle next to something which was absolutely in your face and metal, um, like Angry Planet or something. Yeah. So that was much more eclectic. Our albums tend to be eclectic, which uh, makes them, again, it makes them difficult to place. Um, but that's just how we write stuff. So. Your, your albums always have been um, eclectic. I mean, um, I mean it's, to to pick on one that you mentioned that you mentioned earlier, Thunder and Consolation. Um, there's, I mean, there's 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 everything on the album. You know, there's there's just uh, folky stuff. There's no, there's a a beautiful um, acoustic tune. It starts with a a quite up tempo, grand rocking track. Um, oh yeah, the, that was that was done as a metal version by. Um, uh... Can I know, slip my memory. Anacrisis. Yeah. Anacrisis I, did a book, I Love the World, too. Yeah, it's, and it, it, it is a song that kind of lends itself to a metal band, actually. Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. Great, great opener. But uh, I, I mean, I, I was always surprised that, um, is it 225, um, or was it 225, or was it 99 MPH? One of the two was, was an extra track on the CD, didn't actually make it onto the album itself. Which, which yeah, one twenty five? Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which seemed like an absolute travesty at the time. Um, uh, but that was. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, that was. But that was. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. 
That's that was, but that was back in the day when that was that was labels trying to trying to get people to buy CDs. So they were putting extra tracks on CDs that that weren't on vinyl. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and so, do you readily accept now that basically um, there's an ongoing debate on my podcast about Spotify and um, um, you know the format that shall not speak its name. Um, but to a certain extent, people now we've gone, as you said, downloading's done. People have gone from buying CDs, not doing that anymore. Buying downloads, not not doing that much. Illegal downloads, not even doing that anymore. It's it's, it's people aren't actually interested in owning music because they realise they don't actually have to own it to listen to it. So, are you completely resigned to the fact that you know you you won't see any revenue from from a release or you know I know you do lots of different. And really cool, I might add, um, physical product. Um, is that more for collectors? Um, and you know, I think that I think that some people still want something physical, especially. I mean, no one wants a dual case plastic CD case anymore. But you know, like uh, with the last couple of rounds, we've done these kind of book packs with beautiful, beautiful artwork, um, and it does make it worth having. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is, there are still people that want a physical thing, and 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 these days, you know, I, I, I read someone, someone saying, "Oh, the album is dead." And people just want the odd song, and I think that the one song album is dead, which is a good thing. Um, you know, when you when there's one song and, and lots and lots and lots of fillers, yeah, um, that's over. But if you can make still make album albums, and I think Dog and Wolf definitely was one, then I think people are still interested. Yeah, I um well, certainly for a band like New Model Army, um, uh, I I just think it's 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 how music is consumed now. Um, you know, let's face it, music music is not is not the centerpiece of uh, of anyone's childhood now. You know, music is is like everything else is is up against social, yeah, yeah, internet, social networks, gaming, everything else. Um, uh, and so people do, you know, will think nothing of selecting a song by a band. Um, and yeah, that you know that'll do me. That's 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 all I want from them. Um, uh, and yeah, because there's so much music now in the world. Um, lots and lots and lots of new music being made all the time. Plus all everything else that existed before. You know, all instantly accessible. Yeah, so there's an awful lot of choice. But I'm not sure if it's true that people. Young people are not, not all by any means, but I still think that music is a kind of uh, important. I think that I've always thought that that, that when we were growing up, and, and I think this is still true for teenagers, when we were growing up, you know, the the, the the adults tell you how the world is built, and they say this happens because of this, and this happens because of this, and you learn how the world is built. But what they can't tell you, they can't explain to you what the world feels like. And so kids still find books, movies, uh, music, especially music, and things which explain to them what the world feels like. And I still think that's incredibly important when you're growing up. I mean, I watch children growing up now. You know, I've got nephews and nieces and friends' children. I haven't got any of my own, but I watched other people's children growing up. And the way they find music when they're 11, 12, 13, 14, which makes sense of the way they feel. And it's terribly important to them still. Yeah. 
it might be music from the past it might be music that's current you know what i mean but they but music still is important yeah yeah well you know i agree and and hopefully will you know remain so forevermore um but it 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 is obviously the from a from a but they won't buy it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way in hell. In fact, the concept of buying it is to, is fine. Yeah, the concept is right. It's quite alien. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, why? Why would you? Why would you? I've I've talked to some kids from. I don't have my own either, but you know, friends and relatives to kids, and the 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 look of in some in some cases the look of sort of you know, uh, like you like you've insulted them. You know, what do you mean pay? Do you know what I mean? It's like really, you know, like you're you're being out of order, you know. And it's like, well, I just thought I'd, you know, put. Yeah, that... but a bit, a little bit like going to see a really good comedian. You can never replace a great live band. So. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and that and that that experience, is, is, yeah, is irreplaceable. Um, but as you said as well, you know, there's more music out there. There's also more bands on tour because because people yep. need to tour more. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it gets sure it gets harder and harder to make a living. Yeah, that's true. Well, it, it's and it's it, it's a shame, but unfortunately, is um, it's it, it's a reality. Um, I mean, is how many people are in the band at the moment? Five. Right. Okay. Because it's um, from for five people to earn a living from a band. Um, it's it's just a hell, it's a hell of a lot more work than it once was because you don't have that revenue stream, that all conquering revenue stream of of sales coming in, um, yep. and so But I mean, as you said, you've was it two thousand and eight? You said the where your um, your your manager came in and said, look, you know, the guy who wanted to be no 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 he no he came in ninety six. Wow! So he he was well ahead of the game. No, he died in two thousand eight. Oh my God! Right? Yes. Yeah, sorry. No, you're right. Yeah. Shame. Uh, very un- unexpectedly, at the age of forty-seven, he had a heart attack. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Since, since then, well, did you lose? Did, did you lose Rob around that time as well? No, we lost Rob. Rob Robert um, left the band in ninety-eight. I mean, actually, we we were kind of going our separate ways at that time, anyway. Right. But he had a brain tumor, which he did, which meant that he couldn't, you know, he had to leave the band at the time. Yeah. Um, and Michael, Michael was his understudy in a way, his his tech, his his drum tech. So he watched Robert drum for five years and kind of took over fairly seamlessly. Um, but then Robert did various other projects. He he survived the brain tumor, but he died of cancer in two thousand four. Yeah, honestly, it's just. Uh, yeah, no, I, I. He was, was forty three. Very young. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I remember. I remember hearing at the time um, um, that uh, that that he'd gone, and and rem- and, and yeah, I was just incredibly surprised. Um, uh, and and so you, you had to deal with. So that was kind of. Presumably, you were kind of well recovering, maybe still processing that. Um, when you lost your manager, no, there's, there's a five-year difference there, isn't there? So, well, I mean, you know, it's one of the things of getting older is you, you, people you know die. I, yeah. I, uh, uh, they're still around for me. I always say this about Robert. I mean, there's, you know, there's a new model army movie out of them that was in 
cinemas a bit last year, and now it's coming out on DVD. That's correct. Uh, yes. Some docu- a documentary maker made a, a movie about the band, and Robert features quite a lot in that film because it's uh, the 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 film is particularly about the 1980s rather than recent. Ah, um, oh, right. And so he's in that film a lot, and I and I and I there's a song on on Dog and Wolf called Ghosts, which is really written for him. I still feel he's around, really. Well, that's that, that's that's is that your way of is that your way of dealing with it, or is that a real tangible no, sense I, I that you do feel? I don't know. Well? I just I don't know. I just people that have gone, but you, they leave their presence behind in some form or other, don't they? Well, especially when you've had that that, that kind of yeah. Once of... you've been very, you know, and it was, I had a strange relationship with Robert in the sense that we were never good friends. Actually, we were too different. Um, we didn't really agree with each other about life or anything. Um, we were just great together when we were when we were doing music. Did that sort of perfect a perfect complement for each other? But when we weren't actually together, when we weren't playing, we we barely saw each other. And did that include? When we weren't actually working. We were so we were so different in in our attitudes to life. Did that include when he wasn't in the band? Uh, like, yeah, it, it wasn't... Well, after he left the band, I think it was very hard for him that the band went on without him. Ah, um, right, okay. Uh, well, presumably... So we, we saw each other. We, so we, we did see each other. We did continue to see each other after he left the band. Um, obviously, there was lots of ongoing business and stuff, and, and I always wanted to see him and stuff, but we didn't... Uh, he didn't come see the band after. He, I think it was hard for him, you know, that well, given given what, went on and... Yeah, and given what you said as well about about him being sort of replaced seamlessly as well, that that can't have helped from his point of view. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's hard. You know, you, you you you're in a band that you give your life to, and then you leave, and then the band goes on without you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's hard. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's like it's like you know being being in love with being in love with somebody and then you you split up and you don't particularly ever want to see that person with anyone else um. <laughs> yeah maybe it's a bit of fun. I'm going to have to go Howard yeah yeah look, hey, no problem Justin I really appreciate you taking the time out for having a chat I really really do um, is there anything else in particular you wanted to know? Or... Uh, no, not at all, not at all. Um, but what I will do is I'm gonna I'll forward you um, Igor's number um, when yes, I do. and um, uh, look. I, once again, thank you very very much. Um, I'll send I'll send links to the podcast when it comes out um, via the email address that I've been dealing with. Um, and um, yeah, look, I've I, I, yeah, it's weird. I've always ever since I've seen you guys down in the um, uh, the Duchess of York all those years ago, and um, I've I, I've I've kind of got a number of your albums and followed your career from afar, and I've always wanted to have a bit of a chat. So I just appreciate you taking the time out to do it. Pleasure. Lovely. Okay. Well, look, I will um I will endeavour to get down and good see luck, you. Uh, good luck. Good luck out on that stage on your own, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm doing the whole band thing as well now, so I I, I think oh, well, I th- that'd be a, be a relief to be with other people. I think. Um, it's weird. It kind of is. I've done 15 years of doing stand up and actually being in a band again. There's some stuff that I really do like. As in, wow, I'm not in a dressing room on my own. Um, yeah. That's yeah. nice. But uh, but it's all good. Thank you very much, Justin. Absolute pleasure, Bye-bye. and uh, have a good evening. Okay, and you. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. 
So there you go, kids. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed doing it. I mean, what an ab- I, I decided to keep that shower of the shit, shower of shit up the front. Um, it's a fucking shit show um, at the front, I, just so you could hear what what goes on sometimes behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, I know you're no strangers to um, the the lack of professionalism, um, but uh, yeah, I, well, I'm not a fucking journalist, am I? So there you go. Uh, that's my excuse. But um, that was really cool, really, really, really cool. I'm I'm sure um, anybody listening to that um, will have been will have been struck about how different that interview sounds um, from an interview with a with a metal musician. Um, it's just that whole collective thing, and then you know you, you you could you know you could see my you could you could hear my brain the cogs whirring couldn't you and it's like oh yeah you know we we found a great way to do this album and we did it and it was like oh great and you you're gonna do that with the next one no we've done that and it's like wow that is just totally you know it's just totally not what you you know in a metal band you'd be like oh well we did it like this time and it worked out really fucking well so guess what we got the same crew back together and we're gonna do it again um but a, a fascinating fascinating interview i really found it um uh, it was um um, it, you know, we, it, we we were kind of sort of feeling each other out, and then after about twenty minutes, I think it just it kind of clicked. He realised that I that maybe I was like you know a genuine sort of fan from back in the day, and um, um, or just or, or maybe just you know just basically found his tolerance level for cunt. Um, and um, uh, uh, but either way, it was it was a really interesting interview to do, um, and. Um, and it, and it was it was just cool and it, and it it just became a chat like hopefully they always do which was which was which was great fun and I did um, uh, I did give him um, I forwarded Igor's number to him as well so um, hopefully they'll get a chance to to hook up but just a really interesting um, way uh, that the that the band works they're being a collect you know feeling like more it's like a collective and and that dude as well just like you know coming up to him and saying the music business is all going to change and this is how you need to set yourselves up i mean wow talk about ahead of the curve i mean you know way 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 can't even see the curve that's just fucking awesome um, so anyway, yeah, I, I hope you all really really enjoyed it. I mean, I I am um I was very very um early New Model Army fan. I mean, I I got into them on um, not long after the first album came out. And funnily enough, Evesy, the guy who used to do um, acid rain artwork, is the guy who got me into um, New Model Army. Um, and um, so yeah, into the first sort of three or four albums, Thunder and Constellation is a fucking amazing album. Um, it's not particularly metal, it's not pop, it's not folk, it's not punk, it's not indie. I mean, all I can tell you is what it isn't, because funnily enough, as Justin said, it, they're just really difficult to categorise, and they do all sorts of, you know, of different stuff. I mean, the the first album, Vengeance, has some some, some classic... The song, Vengeance, I urge you to look that up. That is, that's awesome. Um, but anything on Thunder and Constellation, as we mentioned, the song "I Love the World," um, which is the opening track of Thunder and Constellation, um, that's really worth a listen. It really is because there's just, I, I, I don't know, it, it's 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 a really uplifting chorus. I mean, it, it it's quite a um, uh, it's quite a morose album. It's quite um, it's quite in depth. There's a lot of there's a lot of Real, uh, real emotion in that album, but it is just—I think it's a work of absolute genius. I have the remastered edition, 
and um, which has got some extra tracks on it as well, and it just sounds fucking amazing. Sounds awesome. Um, so yeah, I urge you if you haven't checked out any new model army in the past, then um, then do so. And you've got a couple of um, yeah, uh, the green. Well, maybe not the green and the grey because it's it's a bit ballady for some of you. Um, a song called two two five two two five MPH, I think, as we mentioned there, which is awesome. It's about driving along uh, the motorway at one hundred miles an hour with your eyes shut, counting to ten, and opening your eyes again. See if you're still alive. Fucking what? Um, and um, uh, yeah, and there's some. I'm just trying to think. Um, no, look, just thunder and consolation. Fucking, you know, if you're a Spotify cunt, go and uh, go and cuntify it, you Spotty fuck. Um, Spotty fuck. That's it. Ah, oh, we got to get some Spotty fuck t-shirts done. That you you were here when that idea was created. That is that is either that is either an acid rain t-shirt or a talking bollocks t-shirt. Would you get one? Just said the Spotify label, the Spotify logo, but just Spotify. Yeah, Spotify yourself. <laughs> oh, this is this is just this is the oh this is thank you guys thank you you have inspired me. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on that. I am gonna get on that definitely. Um, so um, so anyway anyway uh, I did I did. Um, what else have been up to? Went to see um, uh, went to see Mordred um, a couple of weeks ago and bumped into Miles at Mordred. Miles of Dry Heave Records. That and that interview's coming up in a minute. Uh, actually, that was a chat I did last night. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went to see Mordred, who absolutely fucking rocked. Um, it was good to see them again. Um, absolutely top guys. Um, totally rocking it. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing, nothing more to say on that. I've uh, I've been busy, been going to a lot of gigs. Went to see Destrage on Monday. Yes, any of our Twitter followers will have seen. Um, I went to see Destrage. Hooked up with um, with Mate with uh, Matteo, who remembered our chat about mushy peas, um, and um, and President Paolo. Um, and we had a chat that nearly an hour. That's coming up. That's going to be coming up in the September edition of the podcast. Really cool to catch up with those dudes. Um, they were fucking awesome. Um, it made me revisit um, Destrage. Are you kidding me? No, that's the album. Um, if if you're coming late to the podcast and you haven't had a tip about this album before, go get it. That was one of the. That was one of my uh, top five of 2014. Fucking awesome album. Um, really just. Oh, just inventive, um, cross-genre, amazing shit. Like System of a Down on acid. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. Just just fucking check it out. I can't, I, you know, you'll either like it or you won't. Um, but, um, yeah, again, you, you check all out. But, yeah, so I saw them on Monday. So I've been keeping really busy, guys. Been all over the shop. Um, getting more and more interviews in the can. Um uh, so yeah, got the Destrage one. I'm doing one tonight. I'm staying up till eleven o'clock tonight. Now I know, ooh, staying up till eleven o'clock, are you? How rock and roll are you, you cunt? Um, no, um, uh, I'm staying up till eleven because it's going to be going. It, it, it's probably going to go for a while, but basically, um, I'm doing a Skype interview with um, well, with somebody who I would have thought. 99% of you would have heard of. Um, now, it's not the main leader of a band. It's somebody else. Um, and uh, But I, basically, worth staying awake for. So I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be chatting with him late on tonight. Um, and, and that's kind of fucking... You know, that's, that's September's podcast done already um, as of tonight because I've already got Death Strange and then there's uh, these guys. 
So, um, so yeah, it, it's um, yeah, well, this guy I'm going to do tonight. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? The guy I'm going to do tonight. Yes, let's uh, let's not say that again. Um, what the fuck? Oh, hang on, hang on, guys. I'm just checking something out here. Um, I want to make sure that I've got all of my uh, all of my podcast interviews. Yeah, there we go. They're all there. Okay, cool. Anyway. Um, yeah, we're going to have Cunt of the Month and all the rest of it, um, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who's nominated for that yet, but um, it should be a laugh. Um, right, let's get into... Oh, uh, I, I, I'll tell you all about Bloodstock when I come back. Uh, let's get back into another interview. Um, this is Miles of Dry Heave Records. Um, you can find um, Dry Heave on Facebook. You can find uh, the Dry Heave Records website. Just fucking Google it. Find him on Facebook. Um, it's very, very cool. Um, they're a very punk rock DIY label. They've got some Pasadena and Napalm Division releases out there, which is Kurt from DRI's other band. Um, you, they've also got some. Uh, they've also got the latest Nuclear Assault Pounder EP on there. They did Nuclear Assault Live Bootleg on vinyl, and he's also releasing his very own, very first seven-inch um, single with an etched B-side, and that's by a band called Acid Rain for a song called Plan of the Damned. Without further ado, this was Meals. Meals? This was Meals and Miles? This was... Fucking hell! I do not get any better at this shit, do I? This is me and Miles having a chat, a, a chat last night. Better fucking work. Hi, how are you? I am very well. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad, I'm too bad. Today's a good day. I've got a test pressing day. You're playing in the background. It's your very own music. Really? Is that, um, is that, that's the plan of the damn test pressing in the background? It is, yeah. I uh, like to listen to them over and over again to make sure that everything's done for Oh, that's it awesome. great. It sounds neat. Yeah, that is really cool. That's really cool. I can't hear it at all, by the way. No, it's all right. I'll turn it down and just obscure everything. That's all right. So, so yeah, it's always like uh, when a new test pressing comes, it's like the beginning of a journey. Quite exciting one, I find. It's like when you, the talk becomes reality, do you know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. I've, I'm familiar with that experience over the last two years, talk becoming reality. <laughs> yeah. I don't talk, but then the path becomes, uh, becomes the real thing. So, yeah, the test pressing looks great. They, and it's a, it, they've done the itching as well. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I noticed. I can't really do it justice in the photo, but um, well, I've I've already I've already had a message from Craig at all about the rock wanting to know how much um, I want for a test pressing. <laughs> I've had in- I inquired about a week ago. <laughs> Fucking hell! Wow, I can't believe it. Honestly, it's, it never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, a guy in Ireland that I met, he was begging me for a nuclear assault one. I sold him one for the CBGB's live album, but I had like. Five done, four went to the band, and I've got the other. It's not for sale. <laughs> nice. Well, I um, uh, yeah, I was um, obviously we've been messaging, and you were saying like, oh, you know, let, let's do the housekeeping off air and all the rest of it. But there is yeah. there, so many times in my interviews, I have to do we, like we we do the stuff that we can't talk about on air off air and I always just have to allude to it so I thought well no just okay. make it. we'll make it warts and all we just do we do everything on it so so what's the what's the, what's the what's the acid rain housekeeping that we need to get out of the way to start with um well that was just really the test pressing um I guess should I send you 
the other five, or you want to send me the guys separate addresses? Um, uh, no, if you can send if you can send them to me ASAP. Well, yeah, if you can send them to me, uh, we're rehearsing yep. um, next weekend, not this weekend coming, the weekend after. Okay. Um, and I'll be able well, to give them all a test pressing, and that will make them all very happy. Totally good. All right. Well, I'll I'll get your address by email, and then uh, I'll put them in the post first class tomorrow. I know that um, I'm going to Eper Fest in Belgium this weekend, and I know Pete's going to be there with his other band. But I don't think giving him a seven-inch in a muddy field is probably a wise move. So no, I'll leave that glory to you. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's probably not a good idea, mate. So um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I, I know. What, uh, yeah, well, I, it's funny enough. I was thinking it was quite weird. Um, I'm, I'm glad we agreed to do this um, th- this single with you because um, since you mentioned it, we've bumped into each other at DRI, um, yep. at uh, Bloodstock, at, at Mordred, Mordred, and Bloodstock. And if we, if I, if I hadn't said yes, I would get the distinct feeling that you were stalking <laughs> me. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. We're both old thrashers, except. You didn't know what I looked like, but I know what you look like. Well, in your band left hands in the eighties. So. Well, well, that that's it. I mean, uh, well, funnily enough, on Monday when I messaged you and said I'm in Camden, do you want to hook up? Um, I was off to see. Um, well, I was I was interviewing and seeing um, Destrage at the Barfly. Um, okay. And and you're off to you're off to fucking New Cross. No one goes to New Cross if they can help it. What the fuck was that? They, they do on a Monday night if it's MDC. Right, and what exactly is that? Hang on, hang on, MDC. Millions of dead cops. Are you are you fucking joking me? No, <laughs> I came back from Bloodstock early to be to be ready to go to that gig. Jesus Christ, I am totally amazed. I, I fucking hell, yeah, fair fucks to you, mate. I had no idea it was on. Yeah, if someone had said to me you go to Mon- Newcross on a Monday night, I'd have laughed in their face. But then DC had to be done, and I dragged my story hung over ass down there to see it. So uh, yeah. it was very good. It was very good indeed. Not quite a thrash bit, but I grew up listening to a lot of hardcore punk as well. So my tape trading days. Well, I don't. I'd, I'd, look, I'd, um, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe of you. That's um, it, just knowing that the fucking gig was on is impressive. I've got to be honest. Um, well, yeah, but you, yeah, but you have to. You have to be, don't you? I mean, you know, when you're when you're um, when you're running a label as you do, when you're a la- when you're a label boss, just think, just label think. Label boss, yeah. If we'd been having glamorous. If we if if we'd been having this conversation twenty years ago, you'd be living in fucking Belsize Park in a big fuck off halls adjoining semi with a base with a basement, a wife, a mistress, and fucking your maid as well. Yeah, and I'd be like sleeping on fifty pound notes, but uh, sadly that's not the fact. Mind you, if you said to me twenty years ago, I'd be working with nuclear assault or a lot in your face. But it's funny how things. And things change over time. Yeah, all right, all right. Stop going on about working with nuclear assault. Fucking, you know, <laughs> you know, you know who you're talking to. You should be going on about yeah. how what how I'm amazing. It, rain now. Uh, there you go. Fuck it's those. Open, it's open the doors. Yeah, fuck those nuclear assault guys. Fuck them. <laughs> hey, dear me. Um, oh, it was awesome catching up with John at um, Bloodstock. It really was. It was. It was quite quite insane. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you guys, you know those guys really well. I've only met them a couple of times. Yeah. On these recent dates, but um, I, I dealt with Glenn and Danny more than anything. So uh, when I saw John in Ireland, he looked particularly tired and cheesed off. <laughs> yeah, mind you, they didn't look that, that awake on Friday. But I think just getting up to that stage probably gave them a bit of a blow. Well, I just I just sat down next to John on the bench. He was talking to somebody, and I just sat down on the bench next to him, close enough for him to think what's going on. So he kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, 
and he yeah. looked at me and I looked at him and he just went really and I went yeah and he goes really and he goes really are we going to do this like yeah we fucking are big bro hug, big bro hugs all around and then an hour of just sharing old stories and it was awesome man. But straight, straight, it was really weird because we we slipped straight back in to a kind of like fucking because his sense of humour is really dry um, yeah. we, we, we were like we were like um, straight guy funny guy okay um, and, and we just used to have that kind of rapport going on um, yeah yeah and, you got um, to play with the month teen times, didn't you? God. Oh yeah. Well, well, well. John was in the band for four gigs. Was he? Yeah, he played. Um, he played rhythm guitar because we did the first UK gig, and Gaz um handed a note to a um to um a roadie Stilly um and fucked off. Um, it can um, a note containing a bunch of excuses and blaming everybody but himself for leaving the band. And, um, yeah, yeah, well, that's what you do when you're younger, isn't it? You fail to take responsibility yeah. for anything. <laughs> Everything is somebody else's fault. Um, except with Gaz, I don't know if you do it any different now. Um, but um, uh, but we did, um, yeah, we, uh, basically, he handed that note to Jem, Jem Howard from Music for Nations. Um, and, uh, and we were like, shit, you know, right, what are we going to do? And um, so basically we were playing with Mac as well. Mac was filling in for Ian because Ian didn't have um, uh, a passport. So we were playing as a four-piece with Kev for the first time ever and right. with a bass player who hadn't played with us. And this was, this was the shit that Gaz had dropped us in. So we did one show in Belgium and then we had four days off in Amsterdam like you used to do back in the day. <laughs> Course. Yeah. Those four days become one long blur, I'm sure. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> funnily enough, no, we went straight to work. Our management found us rehearsal rooms in um, in Amsterdam, and uh, and we every, right. every day we were rehearsing for like six hours with uh, with John Connolly on rhythm guitar, and we um, nice. uh, there is some footage of him um, uh, playing those shows with us um, on our YouTube channel, and um, and he used to he used to put gaffer tape over his eyebrows. And and then and, and make a silly little gaffer tape beard, and he in, in, insisted um, uh, that I what? introduce him as uh, Frank Zappa. <laughs> He's a little more serious these days. Well, we, we we could have a bit of a joke with him though about his sandals. Well, he's he, uh, stranded in hell, but sandals in hell too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first time I ever saw nuclear assault was when um, Christmas on Earth and Voivod got. Um, uh, Voivod got stuck in Belgium customs. So I remember assuming, that. Yeah. yeah. Instead of stranded in hell, it was stranded in Belgium. <laughs> were, you, were you at um, Were you at Christmas on Earth? I wasn't. No, I was London based. So. Um, oh yeah, of course. Go, I think get, we, ooh, got, yeah. we got some of the bands that came to me. I went to like the Chromag show. The ones that did a couple of dates, I saw those. Yeah. Uh, some most. I think we had Large Rocket maybe down south, and a couple of the others. I definitely went and seen the crow, mate. That was a gig that changed my, my absolute outlook on music. <laughs> yeah, you were saying this the other day. You're you're an absolute total crow, mags. You're you're gay for the crow, mags, aren't you? <laughs> gay for the crow, mags. So gay for the crow, mags. I went to New York a few months ago, and John Joseph does a a walking tour around the Lower East Side, and I, I paid to go on it. And you spend three hours just hanging out with John Joseph, walking around and him telling stories in this like New York drawl. It's absolutely amazing. And not just stories about his punk career and his hardcore career. He tells stories about like where Taxi Driver was filmed and 
you know, physical graffiti where the album cover was taken, all this kind of stuff. But, but when he gets down to the crux of it, he tells some great stories about CBGBs, about how uh, him and Harley Flanagan stuck Mike Muir from suicide, turns his head down the toilet in there and all kinds of stuff. And they're having a bit of a East Coast, West Coast dispute. Oh, that's Very entertaining really cool. guy. It was really good. If you ever go there, go on it. That's three hours of your life that you'll be so glad that you spent. Unlike un, un, unlike the people who came on um, Keith Platt's tour of Chiswick in February, who were probably why would Keith Platt be doing the tour tour of Chiswick though? It's not his mate neighbourhood, is it? No, well, well, no, I was well. I basically I live not far from there, and there's a lot of stuff about Chiswick that uh, that I know a lot of local knowledge that I've just acquired over the years. So I decided right. I decided Keith was going to do a. Um, a tour of Chiswick and I had about 20, 25 people actually pay through an events company to, to be, no way. yeah, I know. Yeah. To, to walk around Chiswick and listen to Keith Platt's totally fucking made up history of the area. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So anyway, look, I, uh, yeah, that shit compared to what, um, compared to what uh, you, you saw with John Joseph. To be fair to you, you had double the punt that John Joseph had. I don't know what that says about Keith Platt, but yeah. But to be to be fair, yeah, I I did have an events company behind me. I'm sure I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he was using the good old punk ethic and word of mouth and all the rest of it. Do you know what I think it was? It's a thing called Rocks Off Tours, and there's different people do different ones, and he does them like every Sunday through the summer. Right. That that was that weekend that I saw the crumb at the Black and Blue Bowl. We thought we'd do that in the morning before we saw the crumb suckers in the evening. Yeah. So that, that was a day of full day of crossover. crossover yeah, that's that, and, that's uh, that's great a, stories. There's not many people I'm going to be talking to uh, who say um, the more, the immortal phrase before we saw crumb suckers in the evening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'd just like to put on record now that I fucking hate you. Um, <laughs> you know what? They'll be over next year. They're doing more shows in the state. Yeah, they'll be all right. But until then, I'm going to flaunt my black and blue bowl t-shirt for them. Well, I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I had Pete get me um, get me a, a crumb sucker shirt while he was over there, which was really. You've cool. got the bomb one, haven't you? I've yeah. seen it, that green yeah. one. Yeah, no, it was really cool of him. I was I was just jizzing all over it when I got it. It was green. It's jizz coloured now. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, by the white one. It, yeah, it is. It's it is just awesome. well. Funnily enough, I yeah, I, I recorded the vocals to Plan of the Damned whilst wearing it. Hey, see how I brought. Oh, there you go. Hey, see how see how I brought that all the way back round to me. <laughs> <laughs> which official, the official release date of which is going to be the nineteenth of October. Oh, is it? Oh, cool. There you go. If you're listening there, um, uh, bollockers, that's a fucking. Live in your face exclusive right there. Will we have announced that yeah. by Friday? By the way, uh, yeah, it's on that press release where we was talking about today. But it was yeah. just—I uh, know it's after the date, but uh, with the way vinyl pressing is at the moment, I'm buying myself a bit of time. But I'm sure it will be back in time. No worries, no worries. Yeah. Uh, what well, I mean, to be honest, the intention is—do you have it back? to sell on the road obviously but, uh, uh, yeah but look it is what it is I mean uh, you know if we haven't got it we can't sell it on the road I don't I, I, you yeah. know and uh, you know shouting at you and then you shouting at your suppliers isn't going to fucking make the 19th of October the 16th no. of October is it so fuck no. it I think we'll be fine I think we'll be fine we got it in a good time the tests are back um, if you're happy for me to sign him off I'll sign him off tonight and get him in production tomorrow yeah if it well look if if it if it sounds good to you, man, you know. Yeah, it sounds well. You, the things you got to look for, listen for on tests are clicks and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, and uh, you know, it's like I've played it loud since I got home, so um, I think it's fine. I think it can go. Trust awesome. Me on this one. 
Oh, that's that, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, when's the press release going out, by the way? Uh, I've got time to go out at 11, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Right, cool. So that will go out, and then I'm just uh, this evening's work is doing the Hornic link, which is the digital distribution. It's just a uh, it's just a thing that you send out to the press, where it's got a link to stream and download the track, press release. Oh yeah, uh, you know, like a bio, a few photos, stuff like that. It's, I know the track's probably everywhere anyway, but it's just a, it's a good tool. People look at it, you know, listen to the track. And you have the high res photos on it and stuff. It's like a press kit. Yeah. Electronic press kit. Oh, that's cool. So I'll fire that one out tomorrow. I'll send a link over for approval. What, what it is as well, uh, you can have it like private invite only, but I think seeing as you've already launched the song, we can have it as a, a free little link. So like if you send a link to other people, they can download it. It's not restricted. You know yeah. I mean? Or yeah. I can just put it on a stream if you'd rather it not be downloaded. Um, yeah, well, I've got to be honest, I prefer it if they, um, it, it, yeah, I mean, at the moment you have to pay to download it unless you go to, uh, like, you know, a BitTorrent site or whatever, and uh, it's it's already yeah. up there for free download, um, placed up there by real living, breathing cunts. Um, <laughs> Um, yes, well, they've got nothing better to do than to rip people's shit and put it out there for free. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know, that's why vinyl manufacturers coming back. Thank, thank the, thank the world, Lord. You can't replicate a record. No. Until they make some three D printer that will do it for you at home. But at, at the moment, it's quite a long, costly process. Which I'm kind of happy about. And they're still, they're still uh, an artifact. You know, people want to own them. Well, I've, I've, to be honest, mate, I've got it, doing interviews for Planet of the Damned and everything. I've, I've got, actually got bored with myself of how much of an old cunt that I sound like. Um, <laughs> do you know? But I, it's wrong with that. well, still moaning. I, you know, I, I, I do think I need to just kind of fucking take ownership of the way things are a bit more because I'm still moaning about fucking Spotify. I'm still moaning about people streaming being cunts because it's just, you know, if you if you think you love music and you listen to it, you know, and you listen to it via streaming. Yeah, you should buy it. Yeah. You don't love music if you listen to it streaming. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, people saying, oh yeah, but I, I pay for it through, through, um, Spotify, I, I, you know, I pay a monthly subscription. Brilliant. Do you know who's happy about that? Spotify. We, you know, the yeah, artists yeah. aren't going to fucking see anything of that. Yeah, well, I've seen Spotify statements. I mean, you know, I ran another record label that was dealing in digital and CD and, and, and we kind of ended that when that sort of, I don't know, I got quite tired of it and I thought I'd come down to doing vinyl because I'd always been a vinyl collector. And uh, yeah, younger people consume music in different ways, but I kind of aimed at the stuff that I was putting out at a slightly older audience, people that still did care and still do care, you know. If you look at the popular magazine titles out on the shelves, it ain't crying anymore, it's classic rock. Yeah. And so I think you just got to look at the demographic, age demographic of people that you're putting stuff out to. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you'll find that Acid Rain fans want to buy vinyl still. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, and it, and it and it's great. Um, you know, I'm I'm fucking shocked. Um, but I I have to say, you know, it, you you funnily enough, you used a word there that I thought was really telling. This way, the way younger people are consuming music these days, and I and I think that's mm. very much the case. As in, as in, it, it, it is just consumed. It's not studied. It's not sort of no. poured over. It, it it is just basically. Um, it becomes disposable. Yeah. Well, it has no. Well, it has you no. Know. It has no value. There is no. There yeah. is no form of art that can withstand the art itself becoming being free. Because 
and I've I've said this countless times, but you know, free we always think of as a great word. If it's free, it's fucking awesome, it's free, brilliant. The other side of that is it also means worthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when yeah, you make, things. yeah, when you make the very art that the entire business is based on, when you make that free, you make it worthless. You you do what has happened to the to the music industry, which is basically just collapse overnight. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I'm sorry to harp on about nuclear assault again, but why is this? No, no, I was only I was only joking, mate. You you talk <laughs> no, but... you talk about them as much as you like. <laughs> No, 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 none of the, the, none of this will make it into the final interview. I'm gonna, you're gonna be the first interview that's ever edited. <laughs> yeah. Out, yeah. yeah. But, but, no, but the crux of the matter is that why is a small, tiny, independent label run out of a flat in Camden Town uh, got a huge band that's playing a main stage like that, a festival that's playing Wacken and that? Because they just want to do it DIY because they know that they don't want to get tied down. They even like told me that Nuclear Blast Records kind of offered them a deal, but they wanted this big 360 deal with merch and all this stuff, because obviously these labels have to survive, and yeah. the band weren't happy about going forward with that kind of thing, signing over everything. So they just did the rest of it themselves, and got other indies like myself to do it, and I think you just look at, I mean, look at, uh, we were talking about the Music for Nations label coming back, and only just putting up Survive and Handle with Care online have been missing from iTunes for two decades yeah it yeah. seems absurd because even able to have this stuff sat in their vault they don't know what to do with it yeah absolutely well um well there's 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 a story um involved with what happened to all of the old music for nations and combat master tapes and stuff like that um oh, yeah. and basically the long and the short of it is that they were curated by Music for Nations, they were handed over to Sony, they were they, then some employees came over and blah blah blah. Long story short bonfire what yeah yeah fucking torched the lot without realising what they had original master tapes original artwork you name it bonfire insane isn't it yeah it's all fucking gone I found this out when I um, when I hooked up with uh, Liam and Jem um, a few uh, a few months ago and Liam knew all about it because he was part of curating it all and handing it over and he went I mean he's at Universal now you know he's kind of yeah got gone his got gone down that route and yeah it got back to him one day bonfire and just yeah, yeah. I mean why can't you just put them in a cupboard <laughs> exactly exactly I've got I've got boxes of like beta videotapes you know with music promos I don't know music TV doesn't exist anymore but they're under my bed I'm keeping hold of them you never know probably be buried with them but all this stuff's kind of gold you give away your art master i mean it's it's these days now everything's on the computer but my previous label we were sending out those like old apple they were like weird discs can't remember the name of them yeah you know you'd send them off to the pressing plant you'd never get them back and all that oh, well it's lost forever now well we well designer decided to reformat his computer well, funnily enough, the art the art for Plan of the Dam that obviously we're not able to use with you, but the art the art that we used um, Laurie Lipton's art is is yeah. you know it's physical. It is she only works in uh, pencil, charcoal, and paper. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm I'm gutted that we're not able to um, that we're not able to use it because I think it would have been you know awesome, but. Um, that's the way it goes, unfortunately. Um, yeah, yeah. But I yeah, think you know you've done, you've, you've done you've done a good job, mate. You've done a good job. I hope I think the whole silver vibe is gonna is gonna work out well. Yeah, well, I was, I was you know I think it's good. It's in keeping with the with the other cover, and it's just nice. It's 
yeah, it's plain, it looks collectible. And I think the disc's going to look great in silver with the uh, with the Apple Core thing on the back. That came out way better than I ever. This is my first etching as well, so I'm quite excited about that. So you I'm can... trying new things sorry, all the sorry. time. Yeah. So like, obviously the Nuclear Assault thing was a silk screen on the back of it. Some pitch discs and various splatters and stuff. So it's uh, the etching thing is all quite new. So you can really find you can finally talk to young girls in Camden and say that you're a record company boss and invite them in to see your etchings. <laughs> you make me sound like some sort of <laughs> like in a rain mac, you know, like etchings, darling. Uh, well, he's playing some kids. I run a record label. What's what are What's a record? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A label. What do you mean? Like, like on jam. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, what a I don't know. Labels are a bit of a thing of the past in these days, but I think it's, they still have some credibility. I don't do it to make any money, I do it for fun. I'm a music lover, I always have been, you know. I, I was a, I mean, you've been doing it way longer than I have. I was a punter at the shows you played at, you know, and a few years later, I started writing for magazines and and then started a label off the back of that, you know, which ran for 10 years. And we worked with one of the Foo Fighters. He put his solo album out, you know. He got, he got to that kind of stage. What was the name of the label? Uh, it was called Deck Keys Records. It was associated with Big Keys magazine. All right. We did a lot of 90s UK punk, stuff like that. But we worked with uh, that Aussie band, The Living End. Yeah. Uh, rockabilly type sort of punk band and stuff like that. But uh, the scene changed, the music consumption changed, CD sales plummeted. Yeah. And then uh, kind of emo killed us off and... It was good to walk away from it a bit. And then, like a drunken conversation with an old friend who fronted an old sort of hardcore crossover band, they were getting back together to be down like, yeah, let's do a seven inch. That's kind of where it all started. And I bumped into the guys from Winnebago Deal, who I know that are all doing solo stuff, put a few bits of their stuff out. And uh, then the first sort of big thing I got was Pasadena Napalm Division. Got a license for the vinyl. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Kurt's band. Yeah. This was really exciting and kind of opens a lot of doors and it kind of just keeps opening doors, you know. Yeah. People know that you do a good job and they like what you do and the records getting in the shops and people are buying them and, you know, everyone's getting their cut and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Well, what you'll probably find is once you put the Acid Rain 7-inch out, you'll find that um, that doors start closing. <laughs> yeah. um, I've had was... quite a few inquiries about putting my records out on the back of this already. You've, you've what, sorry? I've had inquiries about from, from UK trash bands who will remain nameless. Really? Asking me to put their stuff out, yeah. Fucking hell, what, what but, since since it, since it got out that we were going to be since, doing something with you? or just Yeah, like, yeah, over the last couple of days, really. I've had a couple oh. of messages. Of people see things on Twitter and that, and they're like, oh, hang on, you know, everyone's read that. Ah right, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Well, because because yeah. uh, basically, uh, as you as you'll have already seen as well, the the test pressings all over our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook within about five minutes of you sending it to me. <laughs> I did the same when I came home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, but I'm just I, I you know I'm I just want to keep I just want to keep people involved all the time. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, and that's the one that you know that's one really cool thing about um, about being in a band now is that you can do that. You can actually. You know, you can make the audience the you know the the fifth, sixth member, whatever, because you can as yeah. soon as you get stuff, you can share it. You know, and you can yeah, go, yeah. fucking hell, how cool is this? And straight away, and it's and there's let's face it, there's nothing better than sharing something and with like-minded people who go, oh yeah, that's really fucking cool because that's that's that you know that's called a scene. 
You know, that's that's, yeah, that's yeah. how it starts. Those are the advantages to living in this kind of technological internet age, you know, the, the beauty of being able to put something up and people go, that's great. You know, I, I printed up a, I, I had commissioned a, my phone's beeping, uh, I did a, commissioned an album cover from an artist in Indonesia where I had like four UK kind of hardcore thrash bands on it. And it was this great kind of zombie skeleton thing. I made some stickers up on that. When it came, it was a die cut stickers and I put one up on Facebook and Instagram and that. And the feedback had been viral. I had people getting in touch with me all over the place. Wow. It just went mad, just over a sticker. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about it, you know. I, I think, and as well with the band, people are more, more inclined to interact. They feel like they're, they're, like, you know, there's not that wall that they used to be. Yeah, yeah, there's you know no, I mean? it's no, it's no longer, yeah, there's no, well, there's certainly no such thing as a rock star anymore. No, no. So it's nice, people go up and then you, you reply. I mean, I don't get too much of the label, but I think you watch the stuff on the, you know, yourself or you consult put things up and it's like pages of comments, you know, and it's great. I like it. It's fun to read. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm always amazed by how little um, labels, um, uh, f- Facebook pages and stuff are. Because I always say to labels when I put the podcast out, you know, please share and all that. And sometimes they say, oh, yeah, we have now. And you go onto their fucking Facebook and it's like, Jesus Christ, tumbleweed. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but why would you? Why would you go to the label when you can just go to each individual's band band exactly, site and just exactly. then listen to them, you know? I, I tend to get most of the when the when the sales link, the pre-order links go up. That's when you find most traffic, you know? Yeah. Or people asking you where their record is when you, when you posted it to them. It's a good form to moan on. But yeah, you know, whatever. I, I try and put a new story up every day to keep, if, even if it drips by, I can't people see it, you know? People go, oh, they're doing that. I'm very much I'm, I'm very much the same with the acid rain Facebook. I try and like we well, you know we'll do acid rain fact of the day, which you know which we we keep turning over, and I've done a couple of caption competitions this week, and just but also yeah, but the thing is as well is that we we won't we, you know we won't just do it about us, you know we will put I mean I, a few few um, days ago I just put up um, like six um, oh fuck off um, six. Um, uh, uh, at thrash albums, classic thrash albums, saying right, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the I've one seen I mean. That one doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and and it, you know, it's nothing to do with us, but it is about. It's just keep it. It's just a. You know, it's keeping traffic coming to where you're going, and it, it's it, you know, it, it's appearing on people's timelines and going, oh, Acid Rain, who are they? Or oh, yeah. I didn't know they were still going. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And um, uh, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, somebody described our Facebook page the other day perfectly. He said, he said it's it's it, it looks like um, it's somewhere where thrashers go to be happy." Um, <laughs> and I thought that, I thought it was really I, I just thought it was really cool because it's like you know we just fucking uh, yeah I, there's just there's just doesn't seem to be any haters out there, which is as I mentioned in the press release, it's um it's quite yeah. dis- it's quite disappointing. <laughs> Well, wait, wait, wait till the uh, yeah, wait till the music goes out to the press. That's when the haters come out, isn't it? Well, it's well the plan has already been out to the press, and we've had nothing but um, you know favorable yeah. reviews. We've got it's you know the airplay is fucking crazy. West Africa, for fuck's sake! Um, really? Yeah. How did you find out about that? Um, from our plugger who said, "Yeah, I've got you on. I've got you in a, a yeah, acid rain conquering the world, one West African suburb at a time." <laughs> There we go. Well, West Africans are on the cars. Just make sure you take the Ebola pills with you. You'll be fine. Uh, no, no, just make sure we have some T-shirts printed up that meet us out there. 
because <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't matter what country you're going to, in what, you know, on, on what fucking planet, take the merch. Yeah, yeah, you could assault fell foul of that several times on this tour, I believe. Yeah, everything yeah. went missing, plus instruments, and even a member of the crew. Yeah, John mentioned that as well. That's fucking mental, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and let you know, unless that member wanted losing, you never know. Yeah, well, we'd have to pay him today. Yeah, yeah, pay absolutely, yeah. It's like, yeah, we lost him. Did you, though? Did you? Oh, dear. Well, look, Miles, um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to get okay. you on. I'm definitely going to get you on again. Um, but because okay. um, this is a kind of sort of hardcore indie episode of the show. I've got an hour interview with um, Justin from New Model Army. Um, okay. About 25 minutes with Harold O from DRI. Um, and your good sure, self. A lot of interesting stuff to say. Oh Christ! Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks for inviting. I don't really have as much to say as those two guys. But, um, dude, yeah, dude, you have plenty to say. We've, we've, you know, there's been an interesting conversation. There'll be, there, there will be tweets and there'll be messages where people will be going, "Oh, it's really interesting listening to that that Miles guy and everything." You know, um, uh, and and <laughs> and they will. I don't. I'm, I'm being serious for once. Don't worry. There isn't a he's a cunt at the end of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but they will. You know, people. It wouldn't be the first time. Well, no, it wouldn't. Definitely not if you're dealing with me as well. Um, but no, I mean, you know, we'll direct people to, um, you know, we'll direct people to the site and, and Facebook and Twitter and everything else. And um, and obviously yeah, found cool. you on Instagram as well, which is cool. Um, but um, anyway, look, hang around because I've got a question. I want to know which fucking uh, UK thrash bands are um, uh, have been in touch. But anyway, um, just for, <laughs> for, uh, for now, th- um, absolute pleasure. Speak to you soon. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks a lot. So there you go. That was um, that was my chat with Miles last night, and what a nice bloke! No wonder we're on that record label. Um, he's a top man, and as you heard there, just completely just into it for the music, just in it for a laugh, in it to just be in it, really. And that's the way to be in it. Um, so top man, support him wherever you can. Um, find the label, Dry Heave Records. You know, do it. Find him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and um, and have a look through the really cool shit they've got. Um, anyway, look, um, a, a little, um, a, a couple of tips. Um, first off, I am listening to. I've been lucky enough to get a pre-release of the new Soilwork album, the Ride Majestic. Um, uh, as soon as you can get hold of a copy of that, definitely worth. It. Some really interesting ideas on there. If, if any of you liked, um, as I did, or loved the uh, the Living Infinite, the the double album, uh, which was one of my albums of the year uh, for 2013. Um, then yeah, this is this is more class basically. It's it's very very high class metal. There's the heavier stuff is heavier than it was on the Living Infinite, and the more melodic stuff is more melodic, and the lighter stuff is lighter. Um, there's some really, I mean, okay, I'm I'm gonna say it, okay, acoustic blast beats. Yeah, there's a sentence I never thought I'd say acoustic blast beats there is such a thing there must be it appears on this new fucking album um very cool very interesting um and definitely worth uh, checking out and i have tried i have tried i've tried even harder than to listen to the eddie geek podcast right the eddie trunk rain man sessions i have tried even harder to get into 
the Lamb of God album. I really have, okay? I have done everything except sacrifice a lamb to God. I have done everything I can, but I'm sorry, Randy, love to get him on the podcast, sounds like a great guy, but just not when he's singing. Um, all of the other stuff he does as well, the, 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 like all of the, he's, he's tried all sorts of different vocals on this album, and you know what, they all sound great, apart from his barking fucking verse, the broken kettle barking verse. And it's always the same. It's and it's it is it's like that basically. It's every and and listen to this because I listen to it. Every alternate line just goes up at the end when he's barking. It's like it's just so one dimensional and like all the creativity has just disappeared. And it is just like fucking hell. That serves me right, doesn't it? That was the heavy metal god striking me down with a cough there. Um, I did try. I really have tried. There's no need to go on about it, really, is there? But I just I can't fucking get into it. By the way, something else worth listening to. Um, I was sent a free copy by um, Joel Diaz at Music for Nations. Very kind of him to do this. Of the remastered Roger Waters Amused to Death. Oh, my God. If you are even familiar with that album, you need to go and get the remaster. If you're not familiar with it, you need to go and get the remaster. It's a concept album. There is nothing I can say apart from this man is a genius. This is the man that wrote The Wall. He doesn't do shit concept albums, so you need to get your hands on this. And for, while you're about it, get a copy of um, uh, The Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking as well, because they are two absolutely outstanding albums. Um, not necessarily metal, but fucking broaden your horizons, Conto, yeah? And give it a listen. So, went to Bloodstock. That was fucking amazing! Went to Bloodstock, uh, performed Too Drunk to Fuck with Reanimator, um, with their new guitarist, Dan, um, who is in, the, he's replaced Mike, and Dan is from 13, the whole band 13, or as I insisted on calling them when they were on the show, X-I-I-I, because I'm a cunt! Um, I've just, when it comes to Roman numerals, I am a fucking retard. So yeah, I called him X-I-I-I all the way through the show like a dick. Uh, and funnily enough, Dan said to me, Dan actually said to me, oh, don't worry, that's not even the worst we've had. The worst we had was extra large, large, large. <laughs> uh, it's just, fuck, and I, he actually told me that in the car park of Bloodstock when we just got there and I said right hang on I'm writing that down and I got my phone out and I made a note of it because I thought I've, I've, I've got to do that someone out there has done a more fucked version of um, uh, of 13 than I did with my X-I-I-I-I-I um, so um, yeah uh, look, come to the month to come at the end of the show um, still some more stuff to come but now we're going to do my interview with Harold O right Harold O plays bass um, or Harold Omenian I'm um, not quite sure how to pronounce his name but he um he plays bass for DRI. He has done for about 15 years. Um, he's also going to be... Uh, well, actually, I'm not going to say what else, although it might be already... I might have put this in the podcast intro, but I might just leave it in there as a little... No, do you know what? This is a surprise for you all, something that another band who he plays uh, bass with, uh, and you'll hear my reaction to it as well, which makes Harold laugh. Um, Harold also was around... He is one of the major contributors to the photography book, Murdering... Um, 
uh, Murder on the Front Row. It's it's basically it's only available on uh, from the states. If you go on Amazon, you have to do an, an import. But it's a fucking amazing book. It's it's shots of Slayer playing on the backs of trucks with in front of ten people. I mean, it's basically from that from that long ago. And Harold, you'll hear him mention his mate James, as in Hetfield here. Um, he's been around for years. Everyone knows him. He knows like Lars from back in the day. He gets he he really is integral to to the Bay Area scene. So. Um, I'm just going to let Harold go on this because um, basically um, I was supposed to interview Kurt and I did interview Kurt and like a massive twat that I am finished the interview and I don't know why but it hadn't recorded well I don't know why you know human error user error as in massive twat right here so um, so my fault. So I missed the Kurt interview. Between you and me, you didn't miss much. Uh, Kurt was... I was actually interviewing while... I was actually interviewing Kurt whilst he was setting up the merch stall. Um, so that's kind of like not the best scenario to be, to be interviewing. Uh, so he was quite distracted. I mean, this is not a criticism of him. It's more a criticism of the... Um, uh, the environment that we were in and and the timing but it was the only way to do it because literally he rocked up about 20 minutes before the doors opened so it was either interview him then or wait for people to come in and he was going to be, be behind the merch stall until they went on so it was the only time to do it and it turns out I didn't do it so yeah what a come anyway Harold kindly stepped into the breach and we had a quick chat um, on the uh, on the stairs of the fire exit round the back of the stage of the underworld. So this is me and Harold O having a chat. And I, I've been doing this. I, I've been doing this forever. Um, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Right, uh, it's definitely recording. Um, so Harold, welcome to uh, Talking Bollocks. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you. Um, uh, and straight in with um, with the book. Yes. That you've just put out, which is a combination of has thirty years worth of of work. That's um, and uh, you said two years worth of kind of editing. Correct. Is that is that just straining through what you'd like to put in and what really needs to go in? You know. Did well, you the, um, the publisher Ian uh, Ian Chris, Christie he he, um, he came out from New York to, to Oakland where I live in the Bay Area and he rented this big uh, six thousand DPI scanner. And we went through negatives for like about two weeks. Right. And um, some of the shots that, that I found, I, I couldn't even remember taking. So we found some great gems. You know, I mean, when we printed the negatives before that, I just saw two people with long hair. I didn't even know who it was. Yeah. Then they ended up being some shots that I forgot even existed. So it was great. It was great. And uh, so it was like a trip through your own memories. It was. And some of the stuff, like you know, there was certain negative shots and stuff. I don't even remember taking shots. You know, not even existing. You know? But, uh, no, so you don't even remember being at the shows, never mind taking the shots? Well, some of them I do. That, that's part of the reason I started taking photos. Is I didn't get so wasted in some of the shows that I couldn't remember what happened, so I wanted to document it. Yeah. And um, I was in the right place at the right time. When Metallica first started coming out, uh, my co-author, Brian Liu, he took like the first quarter of the book, He's, uh, all the earliest Metallica shots. Yeah. He, he introduced me to them um, uh, when they first started out. And uh, uh, I was in the right place at the right time, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, the Bay Area scene is incredible. I mean, who would have thought that, you know? The big yeah. four, I mean, the big three out of the big four, you know? Yeah. If you ask me, Exodus and Testament should be where Anthrax is, you know? Yeah, I think it's. I, 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 we have this discussion, and it's kind of like. I think the big four is the big four as regards sales, 
I think if you it, it, right, if, of course, of course, it, because otherwise right. everyone's big four is different, right? Because it then becomes subjective, of course, of course. So the only way you can make it a, a, a big, but yeah, for as for legacy and what they've done for the scene, it's like where do you draw the line? You know, legacy you mean testament. Well, no, I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yes, you're one of these Americans, are you? With a sharp I'm sense of humour, and uh, I'm one of those Americans. Yes. Yeah, you're one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't help but notice. Yes. Um, so what? But your your own your own personal journey, sir, seems yes. like an interesting one. Um, yeah, never dull moments. Yeah, I know. I mean, and it's always about having fun. I mean, if I'd have been a little more professional in my photo thing and taken a little more serious, I probably could have gone a little further with it. But uh, it's pretty much more concerned with having a good time. Yeah. Still to this day, you know. You know I, I see that. It's kind of come full circle with the with the DRI thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, and, and that's how I got to know them. Also, is through my photography. I used to take photos of them too. Right. And um, I rode for them back in 1988 on a four of a kind tour. We toured with Creator in the States. We did four months, uh, U.S. and Canada, the longest tour I've ever been on. Yeah. And I based, I was a bass roadie for Josh, the old bass player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then you know, R.I.P. They ended up recruiting from within. You know. That's very cool. Yeah. It was so, a great time. I say shit. So it's like, how many years you've been playing bass with me? No. I joined in 99, so... Yeah. Coming up on 15, 16 years now, I guess? Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's been a great time, man. I mean, I've got to see so many amazing places. We just played these big festivals. We played with Motorhead three, you know, three, like five, six nights ago. Yeah. And we supported them. They came on right after we did. Even they were on another stage, but it was right across the way. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. And, and, oh, I couldn't believe it. That's like a bucket list moment for me. I can check that off, and you know, I get to play with Motorhead. You know. Yeah, so absolutely. Awesome. But that's, yeah, I mean, but, but look, as you know, because you, you were there from the very beginning, I mean, DRI is, um, DRI is a kind of, almost like a motorhead status in its own yeah. right, in the kind of, you know, in that sort yeah, of crossover family. 30, it's the band from the 82, so that's what, 33 years, something like that. Yeah. You know, and we're still going strong. And, uh, um, I still think we're pretty underground, too, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, we've never, like, I mean, the band never compromised our sound at all, either, you know? But one thing I, I want to mention I'm very excited about is I finally got to do some recordings. Yeah, you've got an EP coming out, haven't you? Yes, the EP. Uh, we did like three new songs and two classic DRI ones. So. And what are those two classic DRI ones? Or are you uh, not allowed to say? I probably am. Like, I think the cut's out of the bag, but uh, it's Mad Men and Couch Launch. Oh, man. They're two of my favorites. Yeah, those are two of my favorites. And then uh, we used uh, Bill Matoyer, the guy who uh, did the, the... Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I know, I know Bill. He yeah. remastered... Um, uh, my my band's old albums. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, no, I'm yeah. Kind of great. I'm, I'm stoked. I can't wait for it to come out. It's like uh, this one website said I hold the distinction of being in a band the longest, never having released anything. That was wow. like my claim to fame. And I go, I don't want to be famous for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be famous for not doing something. Right, exactly. That's yeah, cool. yeah. You'd rather you'd rather be infamous. Exactly. Or, rather than famous. Or a legend in my own mind, whatever the case may be. Like, no, but it's been great, man. Um, we got to play, I mean, we played like South America, we played like just these huge festivals. It's, it's, a couple of them were like free with the government paid for it. Right, okay. So, I mean, of course, there's going to be a lot of people there, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, and those were like some of the highlights of my life. And, just, and for some reason, DRI has a big, a big um, Hispanic following. You know, nice. All the, like Spain, South America, Mexico, we, we seem to do really, really well down there. People just go itchy for that. I don't know what it is. It's just, that's, yeah, that's kind of like you'll never figure that one out, will you? No, no, not at all. But, I mean, um, 
But we tour the states. We do pretty good. You know, we play like you know four or five hundred capacity places. And then we go to South America and we play like 50, 60,000 people. So it's wow. amazing. Yeah, that's insane. Like, when we were playing, I, I remember one of the shows we did, it was like, you could see six separate mosh pits out in the field, and they were all going at the same time, like, independently. It was just, like, it was just amazing. I goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah, that's, that, the, that, it's that, just, that's one of those things, isn't it, where you just have to kind of, like, take that in. And when you see that, yeah. you know, at the time, go, right, okay, take this in, because this is a memory. Oh, the, thanks so much, yeah. 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 And um, uh, Spike's girlfriend, Jana, she's a photographer. She goes on the road with us. And she oh, captures, exactly. just, yes, yes. Right. And she captures um, uh, a lot of the stuff, which is great. Yeah. I mean, there's so many times it's like, wow, I wish this was being documented, you know? Some of the stage shots looking out of the crowd and everything, you know? Yeah. And she also does a guitar tech, too, which is great. So, yeah, That's Spike, brilliant. Spike taught her how to do guitar tech, which is fantastic, so. That's really cool, yeah. man. Yeah. That's really cool. Keep it in the family, you know? Yeah, well, let's see. Well, yeah, and then you have to pay him. You can just tell him, you can just tell him it's a holiday. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're not getting paid. No, no, no. Oh, no, this is... <laughs> yeah. Do you want to come on holiday and, and drive? <laughs> this is part of the family business. Yeah. Yeah. Again for the for the, uh, for the children's college fund. <laughs> no, it's been great. And um, I, I, I come back lessons out and allow you to do something like this. My parents think it's awful. They, you know, they worry about me all the time. Right. Yeah. But they, yeah, but their parents, they worry about you no matter what you do. Yeah, but I mean, being on the road and stuff, and, and uh, my parents are like old school European kind of conservative, you know. Oh right, okay. And, so uh, now I'm getting where you're coming from, then. Yeah, but I had my cousin from Norway come and see us in San Francisco, and I mean, he'd never seen anything like that with the mosh pit, the slam dancing. His jaw was like on the floor, and he doesn't even like that kind of music, but he just went for the spectacle. It was great. He told my folks how crazy it was and everything, so it was great. It was great that they were able to hear it from somebody else, something you know. Yeah, validation. Exactly. Like, well, he's got no dog in this fight. He's got no reason to lie. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Maybe it isn't terrible. Right, right, exactly. Good. Yeah. I played the Dear Life with my mom once. She told me to try to point out the melody to the song, and I had difficulty. Yeah. yeah. But but, but so trying to describe trying to describe um, <laughs> trying to describe this kind of music to, to to that generation is very difficult because yeah, exactly. because they they grew up on they grew up on very simple pop. Pop is, or even like Benny Goodman or like Neil Diamond or yeah. like the Carpenters and stuff like that. You know, Which, well, you've got a melody and a beat. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and that's it. So sure. it's all of a sudden when you play this kind of music, it's like no, no, no. You've got to listen to all sorts of other shit as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, a lot, a lot of people think there's not much to it, but I mean, it takes a lot of dexterity to, to play some of the stuff. I think. You know? but it takes a lot of dexterity to listen to it as well. You know, that's true. Able, that's true to be able to comprehend it for sure. For yeah, sure. I mean, I exactly. think that's why there's such a big connection between fans of classic music and fans of heavy music is oh, yeah, that, sure. is that um, if, you, if you play really class, really heavy classical and really heavy heavy to anybody they'll just say well that just sounds like a load of noise oh yeah like, well the classical stuff's kind of bombastic too you know like, yeah well when you've got like 116 120 musicians on stage oh, who yeah. all spend their lives dedicating themselves to that one instrument and well, then they're all going to play together Right, or in our case, it might be 116, 120 uh, people on stage that are from the crowd that have come on stage, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've now got to get rid of them. Or you even get to dodge them in between the songs, you know? We've had quite a few stage invasions, but... Uh, um, but that's... I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, me, personally, I'm, I'm into the 70s rock stuff. And most of it's here from England, you know? Right, yeah. All the color, all the color bands are like... Do you know about the color bands? The Deep right. Purple, the, the, 
the Black Sabbaths, you know, all the colours, the Pink Floyds. Yeah. Rainbow. The rainbows, exactly. Yeah, who are obviously the best of the lot. Yeah, exactly. Because they just like, cover everything. That's what I like. I like Rush, the Lizzie and UFO, probably my favourite three bands, you know. Yeah. Uh, Spike doesn't like some of that stuff very well. The guitar player, he calls it retard rock. Some of it. Well, some, you know. someone said, I was asked a question in an interview, because I'm doing my band again now. Yeah. And I was asked by somebody in an interview, they said, uh, name the, anyone alive or dead, put together the greatest ever four-piece band. And I was like, okay, that's easy. That's Alec Lifeson uh, on guitar, Geddy Lee on bass, Neil Peart on drums, <laughs> me on vocals, <laughs> sorted. That would be a huge Rush fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, just I, I've like seen it. them every time they played in the States, every tour I've seen since like Hemisphere. So you saw, a time, you saw a Time Machine tour? Oh, yeah. No, no actually, I, I, the last two, three times I was on the road with DRI, so. Oh, man. You know, the Time I, Machine tour was fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I seen them back in 1978 when it cost $6.50 to see them on Hemisphere's Pet Travers open. They came oh. up with their kimonos, you know, they had the dry eyes and it's like... Yeah. And luckily I had an older brother that uh, that was into them, so he kind of led me down the right path, you know. But uh, some of the Dan the Greens they used to have too, these big outdoor stadium shows yeah. they had in, in the Bay Area, and that's when Metallica got to play. Uh, uh, open one of the shows for that and it was like yeah I remember back in the day yeah amazing. there's a lot of that in the folk too you know yeah because that was um, that well that that you can watch that on YouTube that uh, that show can't you there's some clips from it yeah and it's really it's interesting you mentioned about that I mean um, there's all between Metallica collectors and some of the old school people that were really into them um, there's always been this mystery over the footage of that Dan Green show Right. And we thought it was in some vault somewhere, someone's sitting on it, they don't want to release it yet for whatever reason, you don't get Cliff Burton's on it, of course, you know? Yeah. So, the weirdest thing happened about a month ago on Facebook, somebody's published this picture, it's of the day of the green show, you can see me up front taking pictures of my vest, my heavy metal vest and stuff, and then here's a picture of Cliff Burton, and then you can see one of the video cameras right there, right, that they shot it with, yeah. the Cliff Mall footage, and there's nobody behind it. So that proves that they only take two or three songs at the most. Right. So the only footage that exists is what they showed on Cliff Mall. Right. Because that, 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 I mean, to me, that was like the holy grail of unfound talk footage. You know, it's one day it's going to surface. And when we saw this picture, uh, it's so, so sad. We saw there's nobody behind the video camera. So here's yeah. you know, here's the talk on stage, and they're not even taping them. You know? And it's, yeah, and yeah, so it's never gonna, there's never going to be anything coming out. From exactly. That, so. And that was a magical gig, man. That was just so much fun. I got so wasted. Um, uh, uh, people said I was dragging my camera back behind me, leaving a snail trail of beer behind me. And um, yeah, that was like, uh, James actually had to apologize to Bill Graham like about three, four days later because we trashed the dressing room. And Wham was supposed to play the next day, George Michael and Wham. Yeah. And they supposedly weren't able to use the dressing room because of all the avocados they had pulling out of the uh, air conditioning vents. And uh, yeah, that was just a drunken, wild evening. Yeah. So, that, so that, that was an avocado fight with Metallica? What's that? Was that an avocado fight with Metallica? Uh, but, yeah, there wasn't so much a fight. We were trying to get a, we were trying to get it out of the, uh, the avocados into some air conditioning vents that there's no way it could have ever fit. Well, now yeah. let me just explain to people listening as well, yeah. because to that, to your to your average person listening to that, I think like that. What a fucking bunch of retards. But what, what you don't understand is that's what happens on the road. Oh, it's like sure. someone will say, like, do you think we could get? An avocado in there, and somebody will go. I don't know. Let's try. Exactly. And then exactly. Two hours later. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. James had to go apologize to the big promoter guy, Bill Graham. There's this one photo that Ross Hoffman took that uh, the photographer, where it's all of them sitting on the, the barricade in the front of the stage. Yeah. And James has this devilish gleam in his eye. 
Yeah. And uh, that's another thing I'd like to mention. This is a UK podcast? Uh, well, it's it's on the net, so oh, okay. well, any country you like. Well, um, no, I've had this ongoing feud with a Metallica photographer named Ross Helfen. Yes. And it's not so much a feud, it's like more me just being pissed off, but uh, long story short, when Metallica did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, they had this big party where they flew 150 of their old friends yeah. uh, from back in the day back to, um, um, they flew them all into Cleveland and paid for everything, hotel fare, yeah. and Jimmy Page was there, uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith, it was like this amazing, great night, great celebration, probably the funnest weekend of my whole life, and um, I was authorized to take pictures, and I started taking pictures of Jimmy Page with... Metallica, this is like, you know, this is like, you know, this is huge, you know, yeah. biggest metal band now with the old, you know, the old school metal band, the Zeppelin and stuff, and he put his hand in front of my camera and said, no, I'm trying to make it like, so I couldn't get any photos, so ever since then, uh, I, I want to send a bunch of pieces to his hotel room, you know, kind of just fuck them, but I, I sent him this email that he ended up, I, I was just, I, I was so mad, I sent him this email where I just called him, uh, the epitome of British wankery, uh, stupid sniveling cunt who followed Jimmy Page around like a sniveling fanboy. I just went off, but he actually th- he, he thought so much of the letter that he actually published it in his book. And it's my letter, word for word. It says a letter from a fan, and he crossed out my name. He wouldn't give me the satisfaction of having it in there. But uh, well, he probably did it for legal reasons because he didn't have your permission. So if he put your name in there, you could have then. You would think that, but no, I know for a fact. I've, I've had people talk to him about it. He said that they he didn't want to give me the satisfaction. Ah, yeah. But he, he, he's such a douchebag that he actually was proud of the fact that he pissed somebody off that much that he printed that in his book. It's the very last page of his book. It's called The Ultimate Metallica. So if you ever get a chance to see that, and um, I'm the guy that refers to him as a sniveling cunt, and um, I should have said my mom, she couldn't believe the language I used. Just, yeah, that's horrible, you know. But, um, yeah. Did, you, did, you, did you tell you off for sending such a horrible letter? Well, she didn't know I had a mouth like that. She said, that's awful, you know, but uh, she goes, why? And I, I was kind of proud of it, you know? Yeah. If you look really closely and hold it at an angle, you can kind of see my name underneath a pen that's been crossed out. So. But, yeah, he's a photographer who, he's this infamous hard guy to work with. He's well, he was, he, he was just a staff Koran photographer, exactly, wasn't he? Exactly. Back in the day? Exactly. I met him at a Maiden show backstage, and I used to look up to him because you know that was, I, I aspired to be like him. And I asked him for like an autograph, and he told me like to piss off. You know, I just like this, you know, I was like a fan of his, you know. So, and he, just through the years, he's made it difficult to, to take shots. You know, it's like he tries to get the monopoly on shit. So, but um, yeah, I, I said I, I wish he has a coronary. I hope he dies tomorrow. He can file this in his file with all the other hate mail he gets and blah blah blah. And, and uh, I don't know. I should I should I should be so upset about it, but. I mean, here's how often does Jimmy Page hang out with Metallica? You know? it's yeah, not, it's not like Heftyon popped down to Jimmy Page's mansion at Loch Ness and has a, a barbecue or something. <laughs> so did you um, did you get did you manage to take any pictures? Of oh, yeah. Did, oh yeah, stop yeah, yeah, I got some. But that was one of the funniest things. Is other people started taking pictures too, even though we weren't really supposed to have cameras there. But he was trying to you know block all these flashes and photos at the same thing, and it was just yeah, so so he could be the only person to have he any pictures of James Hetfield. Right, yeah. right, exactly. It was hilarious seeing him just frantically trying to walk everybody, you know. So, but that was the greatest night, man. Um, we did a Metallica roast. We kind of roasted the band. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I haven't heard about this. Yeah, and I was still like, like kind of a private affair, but, but um, uh, I had like a mustache, and I had my hair slicked back, and I had glasses, and like a leisure suit. I looked like a used car salesman. Right. And I don't know, I don't know why I did, but basically I, it was like a disguise. So I'm talking like to Larson, and then all of a sudden he's telling me that Harold O's going to be here and all these other people, and he doesn't realize that he's talking to me, right? Yeah. So it's just hilarious. 
So I went up there and roasted the band. I talked about the time they did all the penises on my leg at the end of the green, all the crazy shit we used to do. And I realized that I had a cordless mic, right? So I figured I'm gonna go out in the crowd and talk to the guys in the band. Yeah. So I just went up to James, you know, sitting on the boat in the bar. How you doing there, James? Henry? Well, pretty good, Harold. How you doing? It just went back and forth. It was just, it was just amazing. And the next night was really cool too because uh, Cliff Burton's dad was there. And yeah, it was a really emotional that. time, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was just great. I mean, pretty much everybody that ever helped a talk out anywhere, you know, back in the day, got invited to this thing. You know? Yeah, well, I've had a couple of people who were on the podcast who went, which was. Um uh, Jem Howard, who was the old tour manager. Music for Nations. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my band was on Music for Nations, so, oh, really? uh, so I know Jem from I know Jem from. The band on. that I'm in now, if I can mention too, was a band called Blind Illusion. They were on. Well, fucking hell, are you playing in Blind Illusion? I'm the new, I'm in Blind Illusion. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you guys popped up on Twitter, because you only you only appeared on Twitter fairly recently, I t- right, right. I tweeted you guys straight away and was just like. Dude, come yeah. on, you know, come on the podcast, whatever. Yeah, yeah fucking hell. I bumped into Mark Peterman, the main dude. He's yeah, like, yeah. He's, you know, he's like homeless and living on the streets and stuff. And he, he's looking for some girl to chew his food for him or something like that because his, his teeth were bad. But uh, next week, I said, uh, him, I go, dude, we got to start playing stuff from the same song, my record, you know, classic album. Yeah. One of my favorite albums ever. And that was two years ago. We've done like ten gigs since then. We've been jamming ever since. You know. It's awesome. I actually have a uh, I have a Blind Illusion CD for you that just came out. They remastered it. Are you, and you have one with you? I have one with to give you, yes. Oh, man, that is awesome. So maybe you could play a tune on your cast. <laughs> you name, I'm definitely. Yeah, absolutely awesome. no problem. Not, the, the album sounds a lot better now, too. Well, yeah, because it was always a bit lightweight, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, the titty, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk Hammett produced it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> I, uh, Perfect coming timing. Yeah, yeah. Read, read what you like out of it. Read, read whatever you like into that. But uh, yeah. uh, And I guess at the time, uh, Kirk... Kirk, the Metallica management, they wanted like $10,000 to use his name as the producer. Wow, and right. You know, the, you know, the, the, the wild thing is I get to play Les Claypool's, or attempt to play Les Claypool's bass well, lines. Well, this is it, because you got because you had um, you had Les Claypool right. and Larry Long on the right, album, right, didn't exactly. you? I mean, that is basically, that that is, um, that's, that's... That's the musical part of Primus. Well, it, well, it's, well, it's Larry... Graduating from possessed oh, yeah, oh, yeah. to blind illusion, oh, yeah. so then finally ditching all of his metal creds and, and doing it. For sure, violence. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Larry's a great guy. I mean, I, we had a great time. I actually um, I went to LA with him once, a photographer, and it was, it was possessed, anthrax, DRI, COC, and Mike Mears and No Mercy. And I got I broke my leg. I was pinned between the barricade and the stage. Ow. But um, no, possessed were great. I was pretty much their main photographer. They were fucking great, man. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, yeah, the thing like, at the time that's weird about it is that they end up being like the, one of the first death metal bands ever, you know? Yeah. And in the Bay Area, they were kind of considered a little bit of a joke. But but also they get they get um, when people talk about death metal and influential bands, always the one band that always gets just fucking airbrushed from history is Possessed. People oh, totally. people talk about totally. Venom and about Slayer death, and about or Death. Or yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, everybody gets a fucking yeah. mention yeah. apart from Possessed. No, I agree. I, I agree. And. Um, Seven Churches was just fucking amazing when it came And their manager, uh, they had this older manager lady that uh, passed away a few years ago. She passed away the same day as Dio. And it was Debbie Apollo. De- 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 well, I, I, I knew Debbie very well. Oh, okay, yeah. Debbie, she was well, a sweetheart. Yeah. And it was, it was, oh, she was there amazing. There were some wild adventures on the road with them. Because, you know, here's like this grandma on the road with them, managing a death metal band. It was, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, she, well, I, I, I mean, I knew her quite well. She she, she came over and she managed a few bands over here. And we 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 played with them. And, oh, yeah. No, she was, she was and, a great uh, person. She, 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 yeah, she looked out for us in the States. 
stuff, and she was just, uh, yeah, I guess she was incredible. She was like that with everybody. I mean, she, she was like this, um, like the patron saint of metal moms. Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, the patrons, certainly, like, within Thrash, around those years, oh, yeah. it's like, there, there wasn't many major tours that Debbie wasn't on. No, I and agree, if, I agree. Yeah, and if Debbie wasn't on it, it wasn't a major tour. Oh, yeah, and she helped on so many bands. You know, like Machine Head, Violence, Forbidden, yeah. Death Angel, and, and it's all, when she passed away, that was a huge thing. You know? um, yeah. One other thing, too, when, when Cliff Burton passed away, that was kind of strange, because we'd never dealt with death before, you know? We didn't really know anybody that had died. That was, when that happened, that was a huge. Well, I, well, I know. I, I, without, I, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I wasn't close to the band or anything like that. But um, around that time, I was like 17, 18 years old, and I, I, I met Cliff um, at the gig in Sheffield seven days before the crash. Oh wow! wow. And I met him, and we got. He was the coolest ever, right? Sorry. He was the coolest ever. Oh man! Yeah. Just. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just totally looking up to him anyway, but he's oh, just sure. so cool. And I, I said that I, I brought a demo tape with, with me of my oh, band, oh. and I was like, you know, would, you, would you mind? And he's like, no, man, that's really cool. I'll listen to it on the bus. Um, when I get back to the States, I'll write you a letter and tell you what I think. And what oh, yeah, and no, he was, he was, And I was like, wow, this is awesome. He was one of the most genuinely cool people I've met. I mean, I have never met in my life. And um, it, was, it was kind of strange with him because. Um, I don't know if, 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 if you or your listeners believe in reincarnation, but um, people have past lives. It's almost like he had, he had, he's had a lot of, I think he had a lot of past lives. Because when he was like 24, when he passed away or whatever, it was like he was this fully formed person when everybody else is, you know, out drinking and just being, you know, yeah. being idiots, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he was brutally honest to you know. Something bugged him, he wouldn't, he would tell you about it. Yeah. He didn't let you go. And, um, uh, it's just sad that he's taken such, you know, that he didn't, that he wasn't able to, uh, to uh, enjoy some success of it. You know? Absolutely, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also, it'd been really interesting seeing how, well, where Metallica would have gone because I think he would have. Yeah, a lot of people say that too. He would have been, you know, he wouldn't have been happy to backseat drive. That's true, and, and but one thing that, that a lot of people I don't think realize is that Cliff had such an open mind, you know, about all kinds of music. You know, the Lou Reed, the Lulu thing. Oh yeah, he would, he would have been totally into that. Oh, and S and M and stuff like that. You know, oh yeah, he, completely. He, he I mean, fucking loved it. He he had the most uh, adventurous musical taste out of all the guys in the band. He liked Eagles, Creed, Clearwater Revival, and Skinner, and, and uh, you know, he got everybody into the Misfits. Uh, his steering wheel on his he had he drove this green Volkswagen bu- uh, uh, station wagon that he called the Grasshopper, and the steering wheel the top of it was completely gone from him playing the drums on it so much. You know. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I mean, Misfits owned a part of a huge set, you know? Yeah. He, he exposed them to a lot of stuff, so... Yeah, um, I kind of got me something to eat, so... Yeah, yeah, cool, man. Look, I really okay? appreciate you taking oh, the time yeah. out. Yeah, That's really you. cool, man. Thank you, and Thanks, I'll, let me, I'll get you that Blind Illusion uh, CD. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you will yeah. get me that Blind Illusion. I'm going to follow you now yes. and pick it up. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. And, uh, maybe... and did I get that Blind Illusion CD? Did I fuck? Um, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, that that fucked up. Uh, he had to go get some food. And, well, basically, I didn't get it, and um, so uh, that was a shame. Otherwise, I'd be playing you some remastered fucking Blind Illusion. So I hope that was a nice little surprise for you, unless you already knew or all the rest of it. It certainly surprised me, as you could tell. Um, so not bad for a uh, for a total surprise interview. You know, I just said to Harold, you know, you, you do. Uh, would you be up for doing some press? He's like, yeah, I'll talk to anybody, which is always what you want to hear. I was like, cool, man. And, and as I said many times there, cool, man. I got sick of the sound of my fucking 
voice saying that. Um, uh, and what, what a lovely guy. I mean, I, I genuinely think if he hadn't had to go off to eat or anything like that, we, we'd have done like, you know, hour and a half, two hours, whatever. I mean, he was just a top, top man. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Look, and another another tip for you on the um, on the old metal front, right? I bought I bought a book, right, um, called Metal Fatigue: The Making of a Middle Aged Metalhead by Todd Baker. Hello, Todd, if you're listening. Let's face it, the chances pretty fucking slim. Um, uh, so yeah, you got three opes, mope. Bob Ope, no Ope, an envelope. Hey. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, fuck off. Um, <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. Um, I, I, yeah, I just liked the sound of it, and um, uh, I just thought this this could be interesting. And basically, he admits straight off the bat that um, that he is, that he's boring. And um, and I tell you what, if you want a book with some of the uh, the, the most anticlimactic anecdotes you've ever read. This is the book for you, right? Uh, but he, he he admits he puts it right out there that he is boring. That is his story. That he's boring. Um, anecdotes: four pages on getting to the front of a gig, and a girl sits sits on his shoulders, uh, and and like this girl he's never met before. Sort of like you know, can I get on your shoulders? Because he's a big guy, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she gets on his shoulders uh, for a couple of songs, and then she gets off again. That's it. That's the story. Four pages. Four pages. Yeah. The detail is staggering, right? But that, that yeah, then later on, there's there's another anecdote. This time, um, he's there, there's uh, this what he would call an ugly girl near him, um, and um, she she gives him her clothes to throw on stage. Don't know why, right? And he and he misses. So then she asks for his jacket because she's just stood there in a bra. So he he gives her his jacket and then gets it back at the end of the night. And, uh, so look, I, I, and, 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 and this is my favourite one. This is the, my favourite one, right? A 24-page account of getting a tattoo. Now, he doesn't leave anything out of getting your first tattoo. If you want to read an account of, like, you know, if you're thinking of getting one, if you've ever thought about it, if that thought's ever, like, you know, wandered around in your brain, you need to read this book. You need to read this section at the back. 24 pages on getting a tattoo, right? And it builds to the climax that uh, his wife's not keen and his colleagues think he's a bit mad for doing it. The end. That's the climax. <laughs> and, and then, and then, right at the end of the book, there is a little anecdote about him and his brother going to a gig, and it relates to uh, them having the, they lost their father about eighteen months previous to that. Now, I lost my dad. Um, uh, uh, yeah, coming up eight years ago. Um, well, actually, just past eight years ago. And um, it never leaves you. It, it it does get easier. And if you're listening to this and you've 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 had to go through, um, uh, through grief, through losing losing a parent, it, a a guy losing his father is quite unique. But losing your mother is still obviously unique because let's face it, you've only got one of each. Well, you know, unless you're fucking greedy and you've got step parents. Um, but it, it is it is something that you it's you just you live with it that's it you live with it it never goes away it gets better but it, it is always there and um and and he told this 
he told this anecdote and um and i just fucking i broke down i couldn't hack it guys i really couldn't it was just it was too much it was too much for me um and it, yeah I, I was kind of like I'd, I'd had a laugh at his expense all the way through the book and then just that final chapter i was just like wow that is an awesome piece of writing it really is um if you've ever lost you know one of your parents that chapter's worth a, a listen along with the 26 page account of, of the tattoo as well um uh that's worth a listen as well uh, sorry, worth a listen worth a read um so the book again is called metal fatigue the making of a middle-aged metalhead by tom Bay uh, todd baker not tom baker um and i thought that might appeal because i know i've got quite a few old school listeners and i thought some of you might find that that title quite cool um uh, some of his taste is all right some of some of what he talks about i think is utter bullshit i mean um he's talking about like the, the, like the devil horns giving the devil horns he refers to that as um that's called in metal circles that's called throwing the goat is it really because i have never ever heard that fucking phrase before at all i really fucking haven't but you know if if if, if he says it's thrown the goat it's thrown the goat but i I've, i have never never heard that um but uh anyway look we uh we move on so yeah i'm uh, worth checking out um oh bugger off i've just switched my um switch your phone on because i've got to get something for the um for the podcast and i've just got a load of fucking annoying um uh yeah a load of fucking annoying uh notifications coming in right okay that's exactly what i wanted marvelous right so finally um i've oh sorry no I, yeah bloodstock bloodstock was fucking awesome uh got to hang around with nuclear assault um did the song with reanimate which was great um, got to hang around with my boys and my reanimator, but got to hang around with Nuclear Assault. Got to sit and chat with John, um, as mentioned in the um, in the dry heave um, uh, interview. And um, and I'm putting it out there. My metal claim to fame: Dan Lilka recognised me, right? And there's family, and there's members of Dan's family he doesn't recognise. So fuck you, motherfucker! I'm the most metal on this podcast. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, it it was just awesome. I mean, it was just yeah. As I said in the interview with um uh, with Miles, there it it just really, really, really went yeah. It went back, went back, and then some. Um, and got to got to meet up with quite a few cool people. Um, a hello to everybody who um who said hello to me. Um, 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 and all the rest of it, and wanted selfies and stuff. That was all cool. Um, and just in general, it was great. The only downer was that I was supposed to meet Godless from the Metal part, the Metal Sucks podcast, and by the time he got there, I'd gone. And that genuinely, that was the only downer because uh, I was really looking forward to meeting him. Um, but um, but we we managed, he gave me his number, so we hooked up on the phone and got to have a, a catch up anyway. So that that was cool, not as cool as it would have been, but there you go. Um, so finally, um, almost finally, in fact, um, uh, I had to ban a Facebook user from um, from uh, the Acid Rain page this. Uh, this month now a lot of people might find that uh you know like well so what you know people have to do that all the time well uh, funnily enough not not um uh, not us on the acid rain page it's very very rare that we'd um that we ever um ban anyone on there ever i mean that's certainly first one of the year but it was somebody basically blatantly um being homophobic um and um i i really thought we were past all that you know i mean christ there's 
you know, Rob Halford is gay. Hello. Um, you know, um, transgender lead singer of uh, Life of Agony. What's his name? Keith Caputo. or Well, he's not called Keith anymore. But I mean, you know, it's like the metal community is one of the most open-minded there is out there. Hello, Sophie Lancashire getting the shit beaten out of her because of the way she looks. And, and there's just no room... For, for that kind of bullshit. And and as far as I'm concerned, it's like this this guy basically said he's already got tickets to come and see us. And frankly, I wish I would pay him twice face value to not. I'd pay him twice face value for those tickets to just take them off him and fucking burn them and make sure he doesn't come. Um, that can't be an incident, an isolated incident of bigotry, you know, in life. Um, and, um, and, and I, and I said, look, you're, you're quite obviously homophobic. And he was like, you know, liking my comment and was wearing it as a badge of pride. So, um, so that's him done fucking idiot. There's no room for fucking hate. There is absolutely no room for hate, especially when it's based on what adults do in the privacy of their own fucking home. Jesus Christ. Come on. But finally, finally, we're going to get to cunt of the month. And my nomination this month is for somebody that none of you will have heard of. His name is Wolfman. And that is his username on YouTube. And he made me break my rule. My rule is, whether it's YouTube or or, 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 or whatever, when there's discussion going on about Acid Rain's music, I, I'm not part of that discussion. If somebody decides to, to especially on YouTube, where you get like fans of like Acid Rain, the rap band coming in, or the hip-hop band rather, and, and you, let's face it, on YouTube you get all sorts of dickheads. Um, so I, I I never weigh in because if somebody goes on there and wants to like and wants to slag acid rain off, that's absolutely fine. That's what fucking YouTube's for, slagging people off. Um, and invariably, it, you know, things like that, they they um, police themselves because then you just get people steaming in going, oh, fuck off. You don't know what you're talking about. Your music taste must be shit. I feel sorry for you or something along those lines. So anyway, Wolfman made me break my golden rule of letting things just go. Um, I actually, uh, basically because what he said was so unbelievable. He said that the new song, which you heard up the front there, sounded like a, um, sounded like a mixture of corn and bullet for my Valentine. And why had we sold out? So I just sort of, you know, laughingly said, well, it's difficult to sell out when no one buys anything. And, and straight away, um, Mr. Fucking lives in his mum's basement, was off. He was just like, oh, fucking, why don't you, why don't you play proper metal? Why don't you play proper thrash metal instead of this rubbish? What's wrong with the, you know, what's wrong with the 80s and early 90s? You know, what do you want to put this stuff out? And it's like, dude, um, look, we, we love it. We like it. We think we, we're kind of like, we've updated our sound a bit, but yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not modern metal. It's still, so you know just updated old school thrash he was having none of it no fuck you this is like the fucking plastic garbage you were once part of the underground but you're rapping on this song yeah he accused me of, he accused sorry he um complimented me uh, i take it that way said i was rapping right on on that song so okay what the fuck is that about and I tried to reason with him, and I was asking him why he was getting so um, so so angry, and he was like, because I used to be a fan, but I'm not anymore, that's fucking all, and I was like, dude, dude, it's not the fucking 80s anymore, we weren't just going to go in the studio and try and make everything sound shit, and like it's 20 years ago, that's just not on, you've got to go out there and you've got to do your best, and that's what we've done, we've done our best, and we like that song, and he's kept, but why don't you play like you used to play, and he couldn't get it through his head that fucking 20 years have passed, and 
then it got fucking abusive. Oh, then he started giving me advice on what we need to do with the band. And I'm fucking telling you, man, you're not part of the underground anymore. You're not. You once, but you're not anymore. I was like, who the fuck are you? King of the underground? Get a fucking life, you fucking idiot. And then he's coming back at me going, oh, you're telling me to get a life. What are you on here talking to me for? I said, I'm talking to you because you're talking to me. You started it. You posted it by now. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm being... Crabbed into one of these fucking horrendous YouTube arguments that you see. And when you're a bystander, you see this shit going on. You just chuckle and occasionally print the screen because you want to save some of the screenshots because you're not believing what you're seeing. Honestly, the accusations were unbelievable. Selling out. We were, we were trying to uh, be like Avenged Sevenfold and obviously going for like a stadium sound. Yeah, right fucking like like acid rains are going to play a fucking stadium and it just it just went absolutely nuts it really did it was just fucking mental and um so wolfman on youtube um you are uh, the very first august 2015 the very first cunt of the month you fucking cunt I hope you fucking die at your keyboard. I really fucking do. And I have no problem saying that because nobody in the world will care or notice. There'll just be a tiny little space on YouTube where there was a cunt once. Anyway, um, lots of exciting stuff to, still to come, folks. There's going to be a, an Acid Rain special with me and Paul. Um, our guitarist, that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, so that'll be there to uh, to keep you all up to date and tip top. Um, uh, once again, I always say thank you very much. It's been wonderful. I really do appreciate your company on all of these things. Um, I really, really do. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, no major rant this um, uh, this podcast. I think I've managed to sort of uh, just keep my um, keep my wits about me. Um, but uh, look, guys, it's uh, it's always a pleasure. It is never a chore. Um, two more podcasts. Actually, one more podcast. And I'll be on the road. Not quite sure when October's is going to come out. We might have to do that in between uh, the dates that we're doing. So that should be quite interesting. Um, I'll see if I can get lots of people on that. But uh, then again, I might not. Who knows? So, um, look. Um, I need to put this out there. Um, all About The Rock. All About The Rock, who hosts this podcast. All About The Rock is up for grabs. Um, Craig, who's the main man behind, is looking at um, is looking at leaving. Um, I'm still the podcast is still going to be on all about the rock, but basically there is room for somebody out there to uh, to get involved with all about the rock on a on a major level, uh, as in you know as in well everything basically um, you know the back end, the front end, and just so if you want to get involved with. Um, all about the rock if you actually want to become part of the staff and by that I don't just mean right but I mean really you know the nuts and bolts of the site and really actually make it your own and and and, and do what you want and move it forward um, then Craig would be very interested to hear from you so email craig at allabouttherock.co.uk uh, and get to the site and have a look it's very cool it's where this podcast is hosted you can also find this podcast um on acidrain.co.uk if you go to our brand new website which is fucking awesome if you go there you'll um you'll see there's a talking bollocks page um which you are welcome to uh, to have a look at um there's all sorts of bits and pieces on there so uh, have a look at the website as well if you haven't downloaded plan of the damn do if you had download it again and oh, fucking give us your fucking money um but uh, look, seriously, um, it's been great. 
It's been wonderful. Thank you very much to everybody, to all of you, to everyone who's been on the um, on the show. Now, um, coming up is a, finally a song. Now, um, I was asked to play um, some of this band who are called Seething Akira. Um, and I've actually got the uh, the name right there. Um, I was asked by a friend of the show, um, Matt Denny, and um, an All About The Rock contributor, Matt Denny, who um, who said, look, can you play some of this? I caught a little bit of their set when they supported uh, Mordred, um, and a very fucking cool, very cool. Um, like, almost like a sort of modern um, UK censor. Um, for those fans of censor, then check out... Um, check out these guys. So, um, so anyway, look, um, I'm I'm not sure where this song is available because they sent they they've sent me this. It's not on their CD EP, um, but which was called Agro Veto. Uh, but you can find Seething Akira at seethingakira.com. Seething is spelled as you'd expect. Akira is A K I R A. So seethingakira.com, uh, twittercop.com forward slash Seething Akira, Facebook uh, dot com forecast Seething Akira. Whoa, fucking hell, mate! <laughs> <coughs> I'm gonna write mess of this, and you know Instagram dot com forward slash Seething Akira. You get the fucking picture. Um, so look, it's always a pleasure. It is never a chore. Thank you very much for your company on this very nearly just coming up to three hour edition. Hope it's not too long. Hang in there. Lots of love. Speak to you soon. Wherever you are, thanks for listening. Spread the word. Um, got some great interviews coming up. Staying up late for one tonight. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's just about the only effort I really put in, apart from going to gigs. But, um, look, uh, I'm going to go because I'm boring myself. Thank you very much for listening. And this is Seething Akira and Airstrike.